You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello, we are back. This is episode 208 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Andy. Hello, hello, hello. Matt. Hello. And Jay. For the Emperor. <laughs> yeah, you really confused me there, uh, Dave, mixing up the order of the intro. Honestly, I, I didn't mean to do that, but Andy, oh, as I know, maybe because <laughs> your, your name began with an A, I, um, I, it pulled that out of my brain. So, um, yeah, there you go. It's, it's a variety, isn't it? It's been a while since we've done a podcast. So It's been a while. I, I, I'm sat in the brand new Spruce and Bruce studio. I've got my painting desk to the side of me. I've got my super fast wired connection. It's It's good to be back, guys. Yeah, it's really good to be back. Um, before we obviously kick off this week's podcast, um, our thanks to all the feedback feedback that you guys have been sending in in regards to the podcast uh, schedule changing. Um, we're not going to announce anything today, but um, there are things happening in the background um, that will hopefully... Um, what's the word? What's the term? Alleviate some of the stress and yeah. the concerns. We've We've listened... And we're yeah. making changes in the yeah. right direction, guys. So, um, yeah, th- things are happening, which we'll announce on the webcast. Uh, webcast? On the website. Uh, well, Dave, the we podcast. do webcast. That's a new thing. Webcast. Webcast, yeah. <laughs> I just don't think my brain's working, uh, if I'm honest. Um, now, of course, we're back. We're, we're back talking about hobby. Uh, and we've got quite a big show as well this week because there's plenty to talk about. Um, first and foremost, there was a little preview at the weekend uh, of some new shiny Warhammer stuff. Uh, in the very early hours of the morning. Did anybody stay up uh, and watch it? I think it was at 2am, was it? Me, me and Jay were off to the Horus Heresy tournament, so we couldn't be, couldn't be up early in the morning watching it, but we did uh, check it out on the way there, which was very, very exciting. Andy, yeah, weren't, I... you, weren't you tempted to stay up? Yeah, I woke up at four o'clock, um, oh, okay. snoozed <laughs> for a little bit, and then about 20 past four, I was like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll start watching it. So yeah, I, I did watch, did watch it, and... Um, yeah, it was a great preview. <laughs> I can imagine for you, Andy, it was a really good preview. Um, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Um, we also have uh, an exclusive sort of interview this week um, with the guys behind Two Fin Coats as well. Um, that is Peter and Duncan. Uh, Duncan, uh, uh, such a friend of the podcast now, isn't he? Uh, he's been on quite a, a few times. Um, but we're going to be chatting to them later on about their paint range and about sort of hobby in general as well. Um, so that should be pretty exciting. Um, we've got the return of the top three. Um, it is coming towards the end of the year, so we're going to be talking about our favourite releases from the year. Speaking of which, Matt, I believe you have done a full run-through of what's come out this year. Yeah, uh, the, we'll the traditional in... year in review. It always, it always surprises us all when we go through and just see the sheer volume of stuff that's come out, which will then lead to people frantically changing their top threes as the podcast goes on. Yeah, so we're going to be going through all those as well. Um, but before we get stuck into all of that, we've got a bit of an extended hobby um, roundup because it has been a few weeks since we last did the podcast and there's obviously been different events and things that we've done. Um, where do we start first? Let's start with you, Andy. What have you been up to in the hobby these past couple of weeks? Um, well, first off, I had to actually write a list so I didn't forget <laughs> anything. Um so obviously we're coming to the end of a year a lot of the stuff that I've been doing has been geared towards um trying to finish off some of my hobby resolutions um and it is it's definitely getting there um I think I set myself a challenge of doing 
28 over the course of the year and i think i'm gonna get 25 done um so i which you know fingers crossed maybe i'll get them all done that's the dream but yeah (laughs) um so i've been reading the kragnos book um that's one of my hobby resolutions to read a black library novel um which you know of course you have 12 months to do so i'm leaving it to you know month 11 uh to, to start um but i've worked out that if i read at like least your style yeah i know i'm crazy um i, I if I, I worked out that if i read six pages a night i'll be done on december 31st so <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's the dream um painting wise um i painted up a death guard kill team um just to sort of test the waters get a small amount of models done because um, looking at like plague marines there's so much detail on them but i just wanted to tackle them one at a time as opposed to doing an entire unit at a time um so i've got um three plague marines done including a champion and a gunner with a plasma gun uh and eight pox walkers so i've got a couple of more models to to do just to round them off to to get the squad sort of finished um for 40k um i've also got on my hobby desk at the minute a uh, war dog carnivore uh, for my chaos knights um I'm trying to get the chaos knights done to a thousand points um previously i've been running them at like 900 points with loads of chaos marks on them and stuff like that mm-hmm. um so i figured why not just finish off the carnivore for a uh, purpose sparky unicorn one day that's coming up next sunday um so my my hope is to try and get that fully painted and then that's if i can get that done that's like a decent amount chunk of about two or three hobby resolutions so you know i'm trying to get it done for next sunday um painting wise i think there's a couple more i've been sort of um starting some of the characters from the dominion box set so i've got the killer boss uh the merc knob with the banner and um, of course the infamous stab grot uh, on my painting desk so i'm gonna try and get them painted up in the next couple of weeks and stuff um i painted up a couple of um units of hobgrots that you get from the dominion box set as well um they were good fun i just followed the uh, nick baiting painting guide which was which was really good fun um gaming wise um i went to an age sigma one day that um i can I, I didn't take part i kind of ran it um alongside uh craig who's the other organizer from the purple sparky unicorn so we did a one day age of sigma event which was which was interesting for a number of reasons we had like 10 players which i think is the lowest or the smallest event we've ever run uh and when it comes to doing the results and stuff there were a lot of players who had won a game and lost a game but they were paired up in round one and then we we're paired on there's all sorts of chaos but for the most part everyone seemed to enjoy themselves and yeah there was a lot of spare pizza going so i i definitely enjoyed myself you're all for chaos though aren't you andy so kind of all for bag isn't it yeah all for chaos um i mean we'll talk about the like christmas bundles later but i've yeah the one that's tempting me most is probably the most surprising to me um and then i played matt um we played ogres versus slaves to darkness didn't we matt? we did it was uh yeah it was bloody it was <laughs> both the slave stars and the ogres are pretty good now aren't they 
Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. I mean, you had a big unit of 10 chosen, which was scary. I had a big unit of eight iron guts, which was scary. And um, yeah, I mean that. But but that was it was such a nice game because it was just nice and relaxed. Neither of us had optimized lists. I had a blood pelt hunter as my general and bundo well biter made a return as well. So that was that was good fun. Um, and then. Yeah, that that's pretty much it, really. Like I said, I've just been f- trying to focus on um, my hobby resolutions going into the, the last part of the year. So it's going to be painting Dominion, painting some 40k chaos, and yeah, reading as much of this Kragnos book as I can possibly do in the next six weeks. Excellent. You know, I had a, I think it was about a week or so ago. I was very tempted to listen back to find out what my hobby resolutions were for this year, but I thought. No, I've I've left it too late. Uh, I'm just gonna have to be punished um, if I've not hit any of them when we find out in the new year. So uh, I, I can't I can't even remember what I said. I'm hoping transfers <laughs> were on there, um, but we'll we'll see we'll see. I've got a feeling that I've missed them. I've got a feeling it's gonna be a bad one, um, <laughs> but we'll see. I don't I don't know. I can't, you know I what? Can't That's always my favorite show, Dave, when we do the <laughs> uh, the hobby resolutions. Yeah, yeah. yeah see, I, I definitely even... have plans for next year you know now i've got the, the the geek room fully set up i've got um notice boards and stuff so i should be able to write all my hobby res- resolutions down as i i say them and i can look at them all year then and make sure they're done where's the fun yeah. in that where's the I know, fun I know. in that I see know. i've started writing next year's hobby resolutions already nice. i love doing it love it i love it so much Excellent. Um, so you've been very busy, Andy. Um, I've also been quite busy, mainly with a certain box that landed at the Spruce and Bruce HQ um, a few weeks ago. And that's Cadia Stands, the Astra Militar- Militarum. Militarum? Imperial Astra Guard. Militarum, yeah. Imperial Guard box. Oh, man. What a box. What a box. Uh, what, what a codex. Guy. It's um, it's amazing. Um, they're, they're some of the, the best kits I've ever built. Um. So I've I've been writing up a review for that. I did a video. I've been building and painting the command squad from there. Um, I've also been building and painting my first field ordnance weapon, which I've chosen the the rocket version, which is very cool. Uh, I've also built the sentinel, and I'm halfway through building my first unit of shock troops. An amazing box. So many options on the sprues. I, I think it took me over an hour to decide what I was going to fit my commander with. Um. Because all the different weapons options for him were, were really cool. All the different kind of poses and stuff you could do. Um, so an amazing box. Um, it is up for pre-order. Um, so if you're interested in the guard, please get a pre-order for it. It's it's ace. Uh, it's well worth your pennies. Um, other than that, uh, I've also been painting. In fact, I tried out a wet palette for the first time. Um, we were very kindly sent um, a couple of wet palettes by Red Grass Games. Um, I'd heard of these things before. Uh, I've been tempted to try one out, and, and yeah, now now I have. Um, the model I chose to try it out on was a Lord of Plagues for the Maggotkin of Nurgle for potential reasons, um, and I was really happy with it. It's um, it really is a bit of a game changer. How many of you yeah. guys have tried wet palette? So obviously I've I've had a wet palette, and, and like I say red grass sent us the. I've been using the Studio XL Light, which I'll be uh, pinning my thoughts on in the. Yeah, I think you've got an article coming up this week, haven't you, Dave? I have. Yes. I'll yeah. be following with the review of the Studio XL Light, which is a big, big chunky, like almost A4 size one. Um, but yeah, I, I they, like you say they are a game changer. For, but base level, just keeping your paints wet. 
so that you can um, put some paint on the palette, close it up again, open up the next day and it's ready to use. But where you get some more interesting stuff with it is in like blending and mixing colours because you've got all the colours that you've used still wet. It's so easy to get mixes of the two together to do like transitions and um, more kind of advanced painting techniques with it, which otherwise you'd have to get all those paints out like each time you do it. Mm. I've not I've not tried that yet. I've literally just used it for its sort of basic purposes. Um, but it, it works an absolute treat. It, I, you know, it's going to save so much paint, I think, um, especially during those, you know, warm summers and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a great little um, great little piece of kit. And I was really happy with the how the Lord of Plagues came out. I mean, I've kind of got that kind of Death Guard painting down because I've got quite a large Death Guard army. Um, so I kind of just transitioned that to Magakin. But, yeah, really pleased with how he turned out. Um Gaming wise, um, me and you had a game, Matt, following Conquest of the Savage Lands. We 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 promised ourselves that we would have the Skaven versus Nighthorn match. Um, I think that was the first game that took place at the new HQ. Was yeah. It was interesting. We we rolled up a narrative mission, um, and I proceeded to get beaten by ghosts. I mean, it was it was it was, it was a really fun game. Um, but unfortunately, it was victory to the to the Nighthorn. I didn't realise how many special rules that army gets now. Flipping heck! Yeah, the Nighthorn are pretty scary, aren't they? Yeah, they're they're very very scary. Um, so yeah, that 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 was that was really fun. Um, I've I'm currently sort of dusting off my my Death Guard because I'll be taking those to the 40k one day that Andy alluded to uh, with his Chaos Knights it's this coming Sunday. Um, so I'm kind of getting back to grips with their codex. I'm looking forward to giving them. They've become the Death Guard have become my little tournament army at the moment. Um, they, they seem to be going with me to my 40k tournaments. I was hoping or very tempted to take um, Cadians uh, in this in the um, in the, the version of a tank company, uh, but I didn't want to put too much pressure on having uh, a, a deadline to get them painted for. So uh, I decided to dust off the Death Guard instead. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there's other stuff that, that's been going on. At the moment, with all this talk of heresy, I have been uh, re-looking at my heresy stuff and, and wanting to get some paint on those. So I think that'll probably be in my next hobby update. Um, let's move over to Jay next. What have you been up to in the hobby, Jay? Well, following on from, from what you just said there, David, it's it's pre- pretty much heresy for me. So um, we were at Warhammer World <coughs> only yesterday, this weekend at the clash of arms horus heresy event so it's three thousand points of horus heresy loyalists versus traitors uh, and i wanted to take the legio custodies um so Lieber imperium the new sort of horus heresy uh, army book is um recently released from games workshop rules in there for field and legio custodies um so as as you know i've been talking about it on the podcast for months now i've been, I've been um, getting that force ready anyway i managed to finish them so i think since the last time i was on the podcast i've basically painted like Nearly 20 Custodian Guard, three Dreadnoughts, uh, another tank, Valdor, and a Shield Captain. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, that's pretty much been taking up Army Hobby time, I think. Um, and then we had a, a great two days at the uh, at Warhammer World, um, where I was basically fighting. The, the Emperor dispatched me to to fight Iron Warriors and Emperor's Children. That's that's pretty much all I thought. Oh, and a Warhound Titan. <laughs> <laughs> 
which was which was odd. It was a Legio Ignatum Titan, which I which you know last when Valdor left the barracks that that was a loyalist, so we weren't too worried. But then we arrived at the battlefield and there it was against us. Well, cle- clearly without its correct princeps, it didn't perform great over the weekend, did it? <laughs> it um, well, it exploded in every game, although it seemed to last a lot longer against the Legio Custodes until it came up against my custodian guard with Solarite Power Gauntlet. The, the mightiest hero of the Imperium. It was hilarious. It was a brilliant game, wasn't it? But um, he he should have died. He, he saved like two AP2 hits and he rolled his sixes and it blew up and he saved that too smoldering ruins of a titan and just this lone custodian he's definitely getting a new um name tag sewed into his uh swimming kit or whatever the imperium does for their uh custodies <laughs> so yeah it, it was it was really really cool really the horus heresy system i'm 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 really enjoying the games of horus heresy at the moment um We've um, there's a there's a one day event, this sort of new tournament format that Games Workshop are doing at Warhammer World this week. I think it's because most of the weekends are taken up with the sort of traditional tournaments that, that they're now running these one day events in the week as well. And there's a there's a Horus Heresy um, event in February. Unfortunately, not unfortunately, that's the wrong word. I, I have a ticket, so I'm very fortunate I have a ticket. It's just a traitor ticket, and you know me, I'm I'm not a traitor. Um, and I, I look at my Horus Heresy armies. I've got Dawn, Sigismund, and his Imperial Fists, and then the Legio Custodes, who you know you, you can't get any more loyal than the, than the Legio Custodes. Um, so I've got to put together a traitor army for this event next year in February, and it's a really cool format because you can you take a three thousand point army, but there are going to be games that are a thousand points, games that are two thousand points, games that are three thousand points over the course of the day. So. Really, I just need to get a thousand points of traitors painted, and and that's the bare minimum I need. And then the extra is just a, a bonus, really. So I've been going backwards and forwards over the different legions of what I could do. All I, I started for, oh, I'll, I'll pay Iron Warriors, um, and then I thought, oh no, traitor Ultramarines, traitor Whites. I've settled on traitor Blood Angels. The idea being that this will be a good if I can get this sort of Horus Heresy Age of Darkness box set painted up as Blood Angels and use them just as traitors for for the for the um the one day tournament. That will then be the foundation for a, a, a 3,000 point loyalist Blood Angels force, then. Um, mm. So that's the idea. You've always been a Blood Angel at heart, Jay. This is it, yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about taking them as traitors, but maybe I'll just pretend they've all been like a succumb to the Black Rage or something like that. They don't know they're traitors. Then that might that, that might make me sleep easier at night. Sounds like you need to play as Alpha Legion. Yeah. <laughs> Paint one shoulder pad blue or green. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Uh, that just leaves one member of the team. Matt, what have you been up to uh, these past few weeks? So it has been a crazy, crazy time. Uh, obviously, moved, moved house in, in the new house now. So that took a lot of my uh, potential hobby time. However, as alluded to earlier in the show, I've built up the contents of the new Slaves of Darkness army box. It is amazing. I love them big chaos moo cows. They're really good. Uh, and the new Chosen are gorgeous too. So that took a lot of my time. Uh, played some Warhammer, as we've said. Played some uh, Horus Heresy down in Warhammer World, which had me really geared up to to start working my next Horus Heresy army. It was a like Jay said, it was a titan in there. It was basically all the odds and sods of me, Empress children, with a titan thrown into round up to 3,000 points. By no means an optimised list. But, but, I have been looking at like a quote marks proper world eater 
force. Maybe it's maybe there's something in the air. Maybe it's the smell of blood on the on the horizon that we'll see later in the show. But the uh, the world eaters call to me. And then also, hopefully, by the time this next event's on, the demons will have rules. I have got Cabanda. I picked up some demon brutes at the weekend, and I have got a load of bloodthirsters that I need painting. So where. Uh, yeah, I am. I am all geared up for doing some hobby over the next couple of weeks. But that's not to say I've not painted anything. I have painted uh, a couple of models. So, speaking of the Horus Heresy, I have painted up a Venenum Assassin. Uh, that was a really, really nice model, and really enjoyed doing it. And I kind of want to pick up the other resin assassin models. Uh, it was also a little test bed for the uh, the two thin coats paint range. Like little segue there, Dave, for later in the show. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, really, really nice paints. Obviously, we'll talk about them later on, but um, really, really useful. Um, and then also, Warcom sent us the new Christmas model, the Orc Goth Rocker. If <laughs> any of you guys uh, pick this one up. I want to, um, but I, I haven't yet. But I have downloaded the single. Yeah, well, you, well, we'll hear about more about that in the news later on. But um, yeah, it's it's a really really cool model. So I uh, painted this up for for, for Warcom, and it's it's glorious. It's just amazing. Even if you don't collect an Orc army, you got to pick this up because it's so fun with his guitar on his back. And the best part, a squig amplifier, a squigglifier. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, cool. it's, it's, it's so cool. So yeah, so I've been working on them. I've also been painting some secret stuff, but uh, next time I'll be able to talk to you about them. Which have also been painted with their uh, two thin coats paints as well, which is exciting. Excellent. So yeah, we've all been. We we may not have been recording the podcast, but we all have been beavering away in the background doing a bit of hobby, uh, and I'm sure there's lots more on the horizon going into into the new year. Uh, we are going to take a slight pause uh, at this point and we're going to come back with the news highlights. So, yeah, we'll be right back. So what do we have in the news, Matt? Well, we've got uh, considerable news considering being off the airways for the last couple of weeks. Um, the big the big ticket item, I guess, is the fact that the Age of Sigmar Battle Force boxes are now up for pre-order. Uh, costing £130 each, these look like they are going to be absolutely banging, as the kids would say. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, by the time you listen to this, they may have already sold out. Uh, some of them hang around longer than others, but they are going to be super, super popular. We've got a full rundown on um, com where I break down the value and what you save. But the the poorest value one... I think you get 178, well, 180 pounds worth of models in it for your 130 pound. That's the the daughter of Cain one. However, there are some just ridiculous bargains. So, for example, would you like a one and a half thousand point Skaven army for 130 pounds? I tell you what, it's a it's a brilliant box size. If anybody's ever been thinking about playing Skaven. It's the box to go for. Yeah, two two hundred and six pounds fifty of stuff in there, and it, it makes pretty much a one and a half thousand points Skaven force, which is pretty mental. Um, we've also got a, a, a really good one, one thousand four hundred points of Stormcast. Basically, one of each of the new Stormcast kits: so the Vigilers, the Vanquishers, the Night Relictor, the Annihilators, and some awesome dragons. Uh, again, just shy of £200 worth of stuff for £130 and just shy of 1,400 I, points in there. 
And you know what's really good about that box? If you've got Dominion um, sitting there, then this box with Dominion makes a brilliant Stormcast army. This box with Dominion makes just shy of about 3,000 points. Yeah. So, yeah, really, really good. Um, another another really good one for, for monetary value, the Sylvaneth one. You get £211 of stuff in there for 130 quid. We I, I assume that the uh, 40k box is going to be £130 too. We will have a bit of a breakdown on them as well um with with the details on on what you get in them but uh yeah really really good now gentlemen between the 29th of april and the 1st of may warhammer fest 2023 is on at manchester central in the uk and the tickets are now on sale i am very 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 excited for this one they had a range of different um tickets available so you could go for a single day for 20 quid you go for a full weekend for 40 quid or you could go for a premium weekend entry which includes a goodie bag for £140. Uh, or if you are the uh, the Warhammer fan that wants everything, you can get the VIP Golden Throne ticket, the ultimate Warhammer experience, which contains... And I feel, I feel a little drum roll. Dave, stick in a drum roll here. Um, you get event-exclusive miniatures, premium models, limited edition merchandise, hobby, hobby supplies, paints, and more. All the goodies in the backpack that comes with your ticket comes to £1,500. In addition, you get to skip all of the queues. You get a ticket to a tournament of your choice. You get VIP seats for every single panel and preview, access to the exclusive VIP lounge, and all sorts of stuff. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't quite stretch to the £1,000 ticket, even though that sounds really, really cool. Um, but me and Andy, we, we decided to treat ourselves and get the uh, the premium weekend entry. Because, let's face it, we'd all buy the exclusive figures anyway, and there's a T-shirt and some other bits in there. And, I don't know, it's part of the experience. We, we, we were chatting the other day that this seems very much like Games Workshop trying to make Warhammer Fest into the Adepticon of the UK. So, big event with loads of tournaments running and previews and, and painting tutorials. Um, we've both actually booked a ticket to a different paint class. So, I'm doing a non-metallic mess for one, which is half a day getting taught how to do nnm style which is amazing i've always wanted to learn how to do that and andy what was something that you booked basing wasn't it with that osl and stuff yeah i went for the basing one because that's something that i've always uh, i've always sort of I, I enjoy basing my models but i always feel like i could do a little bit more even if it's just adding some slate going over some static grass i was looking at a lot of the models in my cabinet and i'm looking at it now they've just got tufts on them i'm just like if I put some static grass on that, would that help, you know, bring out the bases a bit more? So when I saw that, I just jumped on it, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's um, a last time and fitting them all in the schedule. I'd have done a few more, but they had all sorts of um, uh, edge highlighting classes. And I think there was a faces one. Those are really, really cool stuff. I think all of the painting classes are sold out, but you never know if they're popular. They might try and stick some more in the uh, in the schedule. Uh, there's also a pub quiz that me and Andy are going to go to. There's a cinema night. There's the amazing sounding Kill Team Laser Quest, which I want to do. I hope some of you guys want to do too, because uh, we need to book that in the diary and get on it. Uh, obviously, you also get entry to spectate a golden demon i've also picked up a golden demon ticket too so it's very a la carte i think this uh this warhammer first you get your base ticket and then there's extra experiences that you can buy if you want to do them but you don't have to so for example andy you've gone for a tournament while you're there haven't you yeah i've gone for the war cry event on the saturday i believe 
Yeah, it was really cool. And they've all sorts of all sorts of fun stuff like narrative events and 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 more kind of like match player events and it it sounds really really cool. We'd love to go to some of those big US conventions. Mm. And this is like taking Warhammer Fest up to the next step. I mean, the the fact that it's a three day event to start with. I mean, we're crashing in a hotel and having the full three full back to back three days of Warhammer. But equally. If you know you can only make the one day, you're still going to be able to squeeze a lot of stuff in. Uh, Dave and Jay, you're going for a, for the Monday, are you? Yeah, that's right. We want to see how you get on in Golden Demon, Matt. Well, this is it. I, I'm not expecting to win anything, but I, I just wanted to enter just for just so I can say I've done it, and then you know maybe get some feedback on what I could do to improve next time. I'm really, really looking forward to this. It's uh, it's been a long time since we've had a big proper Warhammer Fest like this, and and the fact this has got elements of those bigger events, it, it, I'm really excited for it. What are your? Because I, I, I don't think I've really spoken to you guys too much on this, apart from Andy, on this whole like mega extravaganza. Dave and Jay, what are your opinions of a three-day-long Warhammer Fest and all of the tournaments and all the other optional bits on it? I really like the fact that it's over three days. They've they've got a lot of really cool stuff going on. I've got no problem with the amount of uh, activities they've got way you know put on. Um, some of the pricing I think is a little high. Um, and I think, and I think you two may have been having a conversation about this, you and you and Andy. Um, I think maybe they could have given some notice on how much some of these things were going to be, so that people could plan what they wanted to go for. Um, yeah. I can understand why they didn't. Um, well, I, I don't know. I, I think on the price, and forty pound for a, a whole weekend for a convention, I think it's not bad. And the, and the stuff like the classes, it's a half day painting tutorial with a small group with a th- to do that in Warhammer World. The, those sessions were like about 160 quid for a weekend. So yeah. I think the painting classes pricing is probably all right. The, the, my bugbear is, is the notice. The, the, there's no reason why they couldn't have said this is all the stuff and this is all the price. It lets people plan a what they want to buy. So I was clicking in and you had to go through Eventbrite each time fully to get each ticket. So I'd bought a few things and there's other stuff that I would have maybe gone for that I didn't know about that was sold out by the time I knew it was on. Yeah. So yeah. there's no reason why they couldn't have, 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 have announced all that stuff first. And I hope, I guess, constructive feedback for next time is that it'd be really helpful to, even if it was the day before, have the post that went up when it went live, just with the details of what, you know, what the details were. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Jay? Uh, yeah, no, the same. I'm looking forward to it um it's going to be interesting um obviously it's a big venue isn't it and and um the reveals i remember back when it used to be at the um nec and you had all like the tiered seating around and you could sit up there and watch all the sort of presentations and stuff on the big screen uh, around the big hall i also really like the sort of um ad hoc sort of participation games that were just all over the shop that you can just join in i remember one year they had dreadfleet and, and a big battle on the floor uh, so I'm hoping to see stuff like that as well. Um, so you can just go and have a wander around and fill your day without, you know, having to. Because, you know, th- th- it does add up when you start adding in all these extras. Um, and, you know, I, I think I ho- hopefully there's enough there just on the on the base ticket that you don't, you know, you, you, you can fill your day with just that entry price. What, what yeah. are your thoughts on the optional tickets, NJ, like the painting classes and stuff? Yeah, I think they're good. It's, uh, people obviously very popular. Um, so I, I think they're good, yeah. Awesome. So yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll be there. Um, hopefully we're allowed to film and we have some content on the way. But if not, we'll give the full lowdown on the air. We'll probably have a Warhammer Fest podcast special. We might even do some recording live from Warhammer Fest. Who knows? But that's uh, not too far off in the in the future. So so that's all exciting. 
Now, obviously, I mentioned earlier that the, uh, the, 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 the Goff Rocker model is, is out now. And amazingly, there is a proper, genuine Orc Goff Rocker single, Here We Go, available on Apple Music and Spotify. So I think this is the first time that a, uh, an Orc has been in the running for Christmas number one. <laughs> But hey, honestly, I saw this and thought it was a joke. And I was like, oh, it's actually on Spotify. That's amazing. And there's a video and everything. Yeah. Does anyone have any words to express the madness that is uh, Here We Go? I I think it's great. And and I really like that music video. Um, It's done in the art style of the, um, I don't know if anybody watched the Warhammer Plus All Bailey episode. Very much in that kind of art style. Very Mad Max. Uh, It's very very cool. Um, will it make Christmas number one? I mean, there's enough Warhammer fans in the world to make that happen. <laughs> Realistically, probably not. Probably not. But no, probably but not. If you do want but... to support him, if you do want to support him, amazingly, you can buy uh, official tour merch. So the kind of stuff that you'd get if the Goth Rock was a genuine band, you can get tour posters, hoodies, t-shirts, all with the uh, the rundown of where he's playing. It's <laughs> it's brilliant. Some of the locations are brilliant. Yeah, Ullinor's cancelled, Cadia's cancelled, <laughs> um, Nottingham's on the on the bill. So you know, if you want to see the Goth Rock live, uh, I am tempted to get a Goth Rock tour hoodie because that just seems the most like crossing the streams awesome thing ever. Now heading into the uh, the Underhive, we've got a couple of cool reviews for Necromunda. Uh, first of all, the Kronos Pattern Iron Crawler. So this is a Forge World resin upgrade kit for the uh, the plastic. Um, uh, Necromunda uh, truck and it looks beautiful so it's kind of on tracks instead of the the wheels the kind of like you know 40k hgv else of the original plastic kit there's a bit more heavily armed with a kind of a bit of a, a pickup bay on the back of it where some guys can stand with it being a forge world kit probably not gonna be the cheapest but it looks really really nice i've said a long time i'd like to see more of the um kind of industrial vehicles that you get in 40k even to use them as like terrain and stuff the fact that this thing will have necromunda rules too i think it would make a nice vehicle for the squats to drive around in too with having like yeah, tracks definitely. and stuff on it so yeah. so yeah i don't know when this is out but it's probably not going to be too far um and i am gonna have to buy one because i need to paint it up because i love me some necromunda speaking of necromunda um necromunda is a bit of a grim place one of the 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 um major kind of exports is corp starch, which um, is is a nice, nutritious, hearty meal that is definitely not made of dead bodies. Um, spoilers, it, it's made of dead bodies. And in order to uh, kind of fuel this uh, production line, there is the Corpse Guild, whose job is to go out and collect the dead bodies from Necromunda to be reprocessed into delicious, maybe not so delicious, food to feed the population of Necromunda. And Warcom today showed off the Corpse Harvesting Party, which is a little delegation from the uh, the, the Corpse Guild with the kind of like official in all his robes that look not nearly bloodstained enough for me he may be the official and in charge but you don't want to be wearing like white robes when you're going around collecting <laughs> corpses there's a couple of little servo schools which seem to do all the like rendering and cutting up all the uh the the poor unfortunates a really nice guy in like a plague doctor mask with a banner and then the um the poor guys who um are probably definitely not enthralled to corn who hack up the the bodies and then drag them back to the um the factories i love these all of the kind of like minor guild stuff in necromunda is is amazing again forge world kit it's probably not gonna be super cheap but it looks gorgeous anyone else uh tempted by these fellas 
I really like him. I really like the um, paint job on them. I think the like the gloves look really, really well painted. Um, so I do like these guys. I, I, I a lot of the Necromunda stuff I, I sort of look at. I think that's cool, but I, I don't really have the urge to buy. But these ones I do actually, um, for some strange reason. I am not a massive fan of them to be honest. I, I like a lot of what they're putting out for Necromunda, but these didn't really appeal to me, if I'm honest. They're the grimmest yeah. of dark. I think you have a certain uh, level of unhinge to enjoy these ones, maybe. Yeah. And finally, Warhammer 40,000 Dark Tide by Fat Shot Games is now up for pre-order. And if you do pre-order, you get access to the beta, which is live now. Um, yeah, if you played Vermintide, this is essentially 40k to Vermintide multiplayer uh, shooter where you face against the evils of the 40k uh, universe. I've not had a chance to play this yet. It's installed and um, our friends at Fat Shark very kindly sent us a copy. Uh, we're planning on doing some some streams of this and playing through it. Jay, you, you managed to sneak in a little play of it before we went to Warhammer World, didn't you? I did. I played through the prologue. So, yeah, it, it, Vermintide is an awesome game. I love Vermintide. Vermintide 2, it's really, really cool. Dark Tide just seems ace. So from what I, the little I've played of it so far, you, you've got like a character creation. So you, you create your own character. So the Ogryn or, or a Psyker or a regular soldier, you can customize the look of them the, the, and, um, and then create a backstory. So I ask you a bunch of questions. What homeworld were you from? What was your job? You know, what happened to you? And you sort of build your own character. And then, um, and then you, you're thrown straight into the action on some sort of like prison ship which gets attacked by some traitor guards. So it's just the prologue. I'm not going to spoil too much that goes on. Um, and yeah, I love it. It's fantastic. It, it proper captures that sort of um, dark, gothic Warhammer 40,000 setting. I'm enjoying it. I can't wait to play multiplayer with you guys. Yeah, it's going to be really good. What's good as well, Fat Shark trying to make sure that as much progression from the beta carries on to the live game as well. Because sometimes they do a bit of a, a, a sweep and shut it all down. Yeah. But um, yeah, it should it should all carry over, which is cool. So it's available on PC at the minute. It will be available on Xbox and PS5 uh, at some point in the future. I think uh, they're just delayed a little bit. But if you want to play it uh, right now, pre-order it on Steam and you can get into the beta. So very, very excited to play this one. And that is the news. Excellent. Now, there is uh, a few news articles that we didn't talk about. That was the preview show. And we're going to move on to that next. So we mentioned at the beginning of the show that there was another Warhammer preview over the weekend. Uh, it was part of the grand narrative finale, um, which was over in the state. Does anybody know whereabouts in the States it was? Yes, it was, in New, it was in New Pack, Mexico. Um, what I will say before we jump on, we we had a chat with um with with the kind of guys in charge of putting on this event, and it sounds like they've done some amazing stuff with this. The the global events team, um, where this grand narrative essentially had um I think eight new characters they'd invented for the course of this weekend, and and you know the depending on the events of what happened these characters may well live to be in official 40k lore so that's that's a lot of stuff resting on your shoulders when you're playing an event and the <laughs> the death of your titan five times in a row could lead to the in lore death of a character 
It's a Lee lot of responsibility Ignatum. to have. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Legio Ignatum is destroyed because of my stuff. But in all seriousness, that is really cool, isn't that's it? That's really cool. That's really cool. That's to- that's about getting your community involved in the future of the hobby, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, anyone can put on in a, in a tournament, but games which we've got the resources to put on tournaments that affect the, the products that you buy and the storyline and stuff. And I think this was a bit of a test bed to see how that went. So I... I believe there's more of that to come in the future so yeah watch this space but yeah as part of that there's some cool previews wasn't there dave uh there absolutely was and and let's not mess around let's let's jump straight into the first thing they previewed um and actually i think andy and matt are going to be the best place to really get excited about this and so we've seen quite a lot of the world eaters so far we've of course seen angron who looks absolutely amazing the new berserkers the new uh character lord on juggernaut However, that is not all that the World Eaters are getting, because they are getting a new unit called the Eight Bound. Yeah. Uh, now, I've been really impressed with some of the corn stuff so far, but when I saw these guys, oh man, e- I mean, even I was like, I'm so, so tempted to get these. They're so good. I mean, they're essentially corn possessed. However, where regular possessed has just got a single solitary demon bound into a body these chaps have got eight separate corn demons forced yeah. into their body through various orifices which cannot be pleasant for either party and makes them very angry and choppy absolutely not um so these models uh, uh, the vast majority of them are holding two melee weapons because of course they are um i think there was one guy that had like a big two-handed kind of glaive looking weapon looking particularly possessed lost his shoes yeah well there's two different flavors you've got the eight bound who are your, your regular kind of corn possessed but then you've also got the exalted eight bound which have even more dangerous demons fused into them and they look more demonic they've got more kind of feral looking faces they've got like teeth growing out of their armor you probably want to get that checked out yeah they're beautiful things aren't they yeah they're absolutely superb andy what was your reaction to these um my reaction was oh my god um <laughs> especially when i saw the um i think it's the exalted eight bound where he's got a chainsaw coming out of a claw in his hand yeah. i'm just like how how would you hold a pencil how would you hold how would you open a door? Yeah, I'm sure they really worry about that, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's in our timesheet. It's things you've got to think about in the grim darkness of the far when you're future. In the 41st millennium, at the behest of a of a demonic Primarch. Yeah. He, he wants to tally how many how many schools he's claiming. Well, you need a hand to, t- to tally those, don't you? Yeah. I, I, yeah in all honesty they were absolutely amazing i mean when they said those two different variations i was like okay well i want at least two units because they come in units of three um i definitely want at least two units of both of these because they just look they're just insane yeah yeah these these are really cool um, th- these have really tempted me to to get a world use army at some point um I, i'm assuming they're going to get more attacks than assault intercessors though right um we then move on to the the cultist element of the the world eaters so gw like this don't they They like having like a cultist unit for each of the different chaos gods Uh, and for the world eaters they're going to be the jackals um and and these are really cool as well lots of melee weapons i in particular like the guy who's got like a bane kind of face mask and he's holding what can only be described as a a bag know, of like skulls. It's like a bag of skulls. Yeah, it's a mace <laughs> of skulls, isn't it? Um, you've got a, an icon bear in there. You've got a guy who looks like he's got a flamer attached to his chainsaw, I think. Um, 
yeah, these are really characterful. I mean, I mean, you say corn, uh, Cortis. I say Necromunda Gang. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, you could get away with that, couldn't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. All, all I'm seeing when I'm looking at all this is I, I, I've got so many loyalists to paint up next year to fight all this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be joining you, Jay. Don't worry, I'll be joining you. I've been tempted, but I'm, I'm not fully converted over to corn yet. See, um, I love the um, sort of bios on the back that looks like yeah. they're they're filling up with blood. Um, but these look really cool. The only thing I didn't like about these guys was there wasn't enough red on them. So I think when <laughs> I get some, they're all going to have red pants because then that fits with world eaters. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so yeah, they look a really cool unit. As does the new Lord on Juggernaut. So we of course saw the special character at the last preview. Um, I don't know if this is going to be a dual kit or if this is a kit completely separate. I don't know if uh, anybody picked up on that during the preview, um, but he looks very cool anyway. Um, looks like we've got a couple of choices of heads there. I'm not sure if you're going to have any choices in regards to the weaponry. He's currently got a plasma pistol and a, a chainsaw in the imagery that's on Warcom. Um, but yeah, he looks, he looks very, very cool. Um, I'm hoping... Um, did, did they announce that you're getting a Juggernaut unit? I don't think they have yet, have they? No, I, th- I think, uh, if I believe I'm right, we've seen every unit now from the new core yeah. release. It yeah. seems a shame if there's no Juggernaut unit. And I might be wrong, there might be there is like some trying to keep a surprise, but as far as I'm aware, this is the full corn release now. Yeah, yeah. I know they did say in, in the article that the World Eaters would get access to a lot of sort of generic Chaos Space Wing units like the... Um, the demon engines, terminators, land raiders, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Because I may have accidentally slipped and bought some chaos terminators to build with lightning claws already. So you yeah. need to well, watch that that slippy floor you've got, Andy. It, it, it gets yeah, you in a lot of it, trouble. That does, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> well, in in the images that they have on the the walk on page, they actually have a picture of a couple of land raiders with um, the current chaos terminators uh, coming out of them. Um, so I think I think you're safe. I think you're safe. Uh, charging in some car skin there as well. They might have to be my car skin holding back your uh, Terminators, Andy. That's the that's the scheme I really like for the Cadians as well, Dave, the city fight scheme. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the last thing, of course, that they announced for the World Eaters was, of course, the Codex cover, which um, is very cool. Maybe maybe not enough blood for Andy. Um, please don't add your own, Andy. Keep, try and keep it um, <laughs> relatively clean for your tournaments. But... Um, but yeah, it's it's quite a nice cover. I don't think they've put out a bad cover yet, have they, for these edition of codexes. Um, and I think this is likely to be the last codex for this edition, uh, if if rumours are to be believed. And um, so that was the World Eaters. Um, overall, uh, are, are you two Chaos fans um, happy with what we're getting for the World Eaters? I'd have liked to have seen some Corn Terminators, Red Butchers. But you know what? We've been... We, <laughs> We're probably getting a Votan kit for Kill Team. It wouldn't be completely out of the question for us to get a Red Butcher's kit for Kill Team outside of the Codex release. Um, also, yeah. actually, um, just just while we're talking about this, um, I don't know if you've been reading all the stuff online about uh, Yarrick potentially being dead. He's, he's not in the, the, the current Codex book, and there's a couple of pages of him in the Guard book kind of speculating over his death. Um, apparently, there's a close-up on Angron um, of a, a skull with a bionic eye. Um, so there are rumours that potentially Angron was the one that killed him. Makes um, sense. Well, there you go. It wasn't Gaskell, uh, which, uh, yeah. Killing an old man. 
Is that what Angro? Is that all he can do? Is it kill an old man? Calls <laughs> <laughs> himself the dead. son I mean, of the emperor. The the oh. book does kind of like tease that maybe he's not actually dead. After he's that. been primaricized. He's, he's going to come out in primaris uh, Spishmian armor. Probably an ultramarine character. Probably chapter master Yarrick. <laughs> uh, moving away. He'd be a Black Templar, actually, wouldn't he? If he, he was going to be. be anything. Well, that's who he was hanging out with after um, the yeah. War on Armageddon, wasn't he? Hi, Marshal Yarrick. Yeah. Uh, so moving away from 40k and into the Immortal Realms, um, there is a couple of new Age of Sigmar battle tomes on the way. I'm going to start with one that uh, has probably needed a bit of attention for a while, and that is the Beasts of Chaos. Yes. Um, which I know, uh, Matt, you've been very excited for over these last... I have. I've, I've wanted to do a Beast Man army, Beast of Chaos army, for a long time. And I've, even at the weekend, I was on the fence to whether I'd bite the bullet and pick up the uh, the start collecting box because they have got some old kits. And this article kind of implies that we've got this new Beast Lord and there may not be more, you know, old units come in. Um which is fine, you know, the, the models still stand up, they're just a little bit older. The new Beast Lord model looks amazing. He is so, so cool. Um, yeah, I saw a comparison um, someone did on Twitter. Do you remember the old Volton model who was standing yeah. there with two hammers and he had um, a dead Beast Lord on his base? Well, you look at this model and he's this, this new Beast Lord's in the same pose as that Volton model and the there's like a, a human head on his waist and it looks blonde human head hanging yeah it looks yeah yeah it looks like volton yeah i thought that was very funny it's a nice little in-universe kind of in joke isn't it yeah 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 it is a nice model but like matt said it does um insinuate that this is the only release that they are getting which is a shame There's, there's been a lot of kind of um not new armies but there's been quite a few revisions to kind of armies maybe next year or the year after we'll see a big beast of chaos range revamp um they can't obviously they don't have the resources to redo all these armies all at once um maybe just now isn't the time for the beast of chaos to get the full range review that they they probably deserve yeah um, and it, it doesn't outright say they're not getting one so we never know no. until next year but presumably this will be i'd guess this is going to be in a battle box alongside the other new battle tome that we saw Yes, well, that takes us nicely into the next uh, reveal, which is the Gloom Spike Gits. Um, they're getting a brand new battle tone. We've heard this rumour for quite some time. Um, instead of getting a HQ model, though, they're actually getting a new unit, um, which looks amazing. Uh, these are the Snarlfang Riders, um, very much in keeping with Ripper's Snarlfangs from Underworlds, which I think you painted up actually, Jay. Um, yeah, I've got them painted. Yeah, they're, they're nice models. I do like them. They're more like, they're not really Gloom Spike Gits, are they? They're more like the old sort of like Mongolian Gits from the old yeah. uh, Goblins. Well, the article says that currently you, you kind of got your spider based armies and your squig based armies, but this is a return to the style of Goblin that we saw in the world that was which is really cool because visually you can do a few different goblin armies now. I really like these. Um, I was really impressed with this. Uh, probably one of my picks of the, the preview um, with these goblins. Um, so as well as something else as well, which we'll, we'll, we'll come across um, shortly. Um, See, so I'm that... going to be, um, I'm going to be a bit controversial here because the models are absolutely gorgeous, but 
I don't like the fact, I mean, obviously we don't know yet. I don't like the fact that these guys might just be their own separate unit. I, I'd like them to be the fourth part of the Gits book. Because um, like you said, we used to have the Git mob grots, I think they were called back when Age of Sigmar first came out. And that was all the sort of generic goblin-y stuff. And these guys very much fit Doom into divers. that. Yeah, well, Doom Divers. Yeah, that sort I, of stuff. Again, it's not outright said that these are the only models, and and we saw this with um, you know the the um, Nighthorn battle box similar situation. There was a new kit in the box with the crossbows, but then they got some other kits after it. You could easily do a whole new kind of like element to the to the goblins and have a quite fleshed out force by having two kits. You have this. Who knows? Maybe builds. There's, there's there's definitely ranged and close combat options on these models. Could have that as two separate units, and then you also have a chariot pulled by wolves, which could then build a character. And then you've got your like reinvented um, what's his name, Grom, Grom the Paunch. Mm. And then you could do a chariot-led wolf army, which would be amazing. Yeah, that would be very very cool. Um, so that's our second battle team that's that's on the way, uh, and that is the Gloom Spike Gits. And that also opened the door actually to a brand new battle team roadmap that they um, revealed at the end of this particular article, and um, which confirms that in the winter we're going to be getting Slaves to Darkness, which we know is that's up for pre-order at the moment. So the so 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 the army set is up for pre-order in January, presumably we'll have the Slaves of Darkness, Beasts of Chaos, and Gloom Spike Gits. Yeah. Again, traditionally we tend to start the year with a battle box. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's the Gloom's Fight Gits and the Beast of Gates in a box. And then shortly after, maybe February, the, the individual battle tomes come out. We don't know the details, but I'm just basing this off previous years. Yeah. Then in the spring, we have got two Chaos books. There are two Chaos books left to publish, Corn and Slanesh. Amazing. We then have two Death Battle Tomes. Um, Ossioc Bone Reapers, maybe. Um, I forgot what they're called. Flesh Eater Court. So... Yeah, well, and so Black Grave Lords. Flesh Eater Court of quite an old range that need refreshing. And we've also got the Soul Black Grave Lords. So two of those three books will will be coming out. I'm suspecting the first two because Soul Black Grave Lords was a little bit newer. Though that yeah. does leave the door open to the awesome dragon that we saw on the cover of the previous Soul Black Grave Lords book that could get a model. In the spring, we've also got a Order Battle Tome. And I think... We've only really got two left. There's the Seraphon and there's the Cities of Sigma. Now, we know the Dawnbringer no, no, Crusades. No, 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 no. It's been a, a couple of months since the last Luminef Realm Lords as well, so I think that's probably... <laughs> it has too. been a couple of months since the last <laughs> Luminef Realm Lords book. So I think, off the top of my head, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, I'm sure you will, but um, I think there's only two Order Battle Tomes left. One of them's coming out in the spring, one of them's coming out in the summer. Now, the spring is looking very jam-packed full of books, so it wouldn't surprise me if the summer one is the uh, Dawnbringer Crusades slash oh. Cities of Sigma whatever they want to call it, and have that as a big release, and then the other book being the Seraphon. Now, Dave's going to tell me there's another book that I've forgotten here. There is, there is. The Caradron Overlords. They have yet the to Caradron have their Overlords. Have they not? No. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Ooh, yeah. that's also a good choice then. I mean, I, I think you're right. I think it'll be Seraphon in the spring with the Dawnbringers in the summer um, with Caradrons later on in the year. Um, I'm hoping yeah. it's the other way around. I'm hoping Seraphon later in the year and that will hopefully mean that we're going to get quite a large model refresh because like like we were saying with um previous armies and stuff as 
the Seraphon range, they desperately need quite well, a large amount of models. I, I think they could get away with like a Sylvaneth type refresh. I mean, Sylvaneth, you've got um, the Lady of Vines, the Gossamid Archers, uh, and the two units that you've got out of the um, the Spite, the, the, the Bugs. I could mm. see that following a similar pattern to get some new Saurus, Cold One Cavalry, and Croxagore in the same sort of pattern. And I, mean, I think all the skink stuff good. They've got the Warcry um, Chameleon skinks coming soon. The dinosaurs are good. Croak's good. Yeah. Pterodons are good. Yeah. I mean, the rumours I've heard are that the Caradrons are just going to be getting a new HQ unit, which seems about right, I think. Um, I know a few people have cried out from new units for them, but I can see mm. them just getting a new character. Um, so maybe you're right, Andy. Maybe we will see Caradrons in with that busy spring schedule. Um, I, I think it's a given that it's, it's going to be um, Dawnbringers in the summer with their big new range of models. Well, you say that, you say that, but they also traditionally they do a big release on Easter as well, which has been the luminous like launch boxes and stuff we've had in that mm. Easter slot. So you could get a Dawnbreaker, Dawnbringer uh, army box. Easter weekend, maybe. We, we don't, they're coming, aren't they, in the first half of the year? So that's yeah. exciting. Um, yeah. And it's interesting quite how quickly the AOS schedule's moving in this first half of 23. Now, yeah. obviously, rumours are 40k 10th edition drops, probably summer 23. But what you tend to find is that the year a new edition comes out, they might get two like codexes, but a lot of the actual releases will be Age of Sigmar focused. So even though it will be the big 40k release year, I've got a feeling it'll be a big kind of AOS focus year to try and get all those books out. I hope, as, as excited as I am out for all these different battle terms, I hope we see more um, sort of Thondia style books as well. Um, I hope they, they really push those next year. Um, yeah. Especially that narrative weekend we had, it was it was great fun. And um, and obviously all the Crusade books we've had over um, the two is it two years of this edition of 40k we've had now. Hmm. Um, it'd be nice to see them sort of catch up with a few more narrative books for for Sigma. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. They obviously aren't included on this roadmap because it's, it's strictly for battle tomes. Um, but yeah, that's that's really exciting. Um, but that's not the only thing for the Mortal Realms as Warhammer Underworlds and Arlwood are getting a brand new warband. Uh, they are getting Grink Rax Loon Court, um, which are, in essence, a bunch of goblin knights, which um, is interesting uh, and also very, very cool. Um I in particular like the one riding a squig with a big wooden mallet because that's ace. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely very characterful, these guys, aren't they? There's um, a catapult that's firing mini squigs. Yeah. That's probably uh, my favourite one. I remember, I remember Jay looking at this one first and saying he looked like a dwarf at first, but it's like a guy hiding behind a shield and a guy stood on his shoulders launching squigs. It's just brilliant, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a very cool, uh, characterful um, box set for Underworld. We really need to play some Underworld, guys. Um, Do. And also, uh, the thing that everybody wants for Christmas is squig on a stick. I, I think I feel I need to buy the warband just for the squig on a stick. Yeah. Um, and obviously, these will have rules within your um, Age of Sigmar battle team as well, which is, which is very, very cool. Uh, we're not quite done with the preview yet, though, because we're actually moving into uh, the Hive Cities, into Necromunda. Uh, and we've got some new reinforcements for House Cordor. Um, so these are kind of like your real sort of religious nuts, aren't they? And um, the Cordor. And they're getting some very, 
I would say Final Fantasy sort of inspired mechanical walking things. I see that. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so these look really, really cool. Um, they're, they're basically like walkers, uh, mechanical walkers. Um, Jay, I know you, you used to be a fan of the, the Corridor. What do you think of these? Yeah, I quite like the Corridor. These are um, <laughs> they're like, they're like scrap heap bot type things. Like the kind of thing the gnomes in Gnomagon ride around on. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> just like held together with, <laughs> with like duct tape and bits of spring and stuff. Duct tape and faith in the Emperor is what they're <laughs> yeah. held together with. I really like him. And of course, they've got that classic, uh, classic um, weapon, grenade on a stick. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so I like them. I think they're cool. One's got like a, a, a mace that he's just <laughs> swinging around a flail. <laughs> he's having a whale of a time. These guys, these guys obviously see themselves as, as the representatives of the custodies on Lake Ramunda. And, and, and they often festoon themselves with things to make them look a little bit more like custodies. And maybe that's the logic here. They're, they're like robotic stilts, really, aren't they? So they yeah. stand a little bit taller. <laughs> they look nothing like custodians. <laughs> but I know what you mean. <laughs> Uh, excellent um so yeah they're 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 very cool um we're moving back to 40k for the next reveal though uh, it's kind of a two for this one um but we've, we've heard a little bit more about the arcs of omen uh, which at the last preview was revealed to be um the next sort of piece of the storyline puzzle um which um we believe it's going to lead into the new edition. Obviously, we don't know that as a fact, but traditionally, looking... these series always do lead into yeah. the new edition. It resets the lore, continues the story on, and sets up the story. We saw Broken Realms for Age of Sigma, which very similar setup. We had four books named after four different characters that kind of set the scene for the for the for the future of the game. We saw it in Psychic Awakening for 40k. So I'm going to go put my neck out and say this is definitely the precursor to 10th edition. So what they revealed during the preview is that we're going to be getting four books. Um, the first one they they focus on in this article uh, in, in in the reveal show was um, book one, Abaddon, uh, which is going to introduce the rules of boarding actions, which we we learned about in the next the, the last preview as well, and um, which are going to be games of 40k played out on um, space hulks and things using your Galodark scenery. And I, I know they've released that scenery separately uh, now as well. Um, so that's very, very cool. Um, it's also going to have quite a bit of lore as well, which is going to push forward the story. Um, so that book is out, I, I believe, pretty soon. Um, also coming out in the winter, um, so going into the early part of next year, is book two, which they have revealed to be called Angron. Um, one could only assume the world eaters are going to be out around about that time and um, be interested to see what's in that book um, and then the third book takes oh, us into takes us into the, the final part of the preview where we saw a brand new model and I would have loved to have seen Matt's reaction uh, <laughs> when he first saw this I mean this guy's creepy uh, creepy with a capital C in fact edgy let's give him a K he is bonkers um, he's a new character that Abaddon's going to be teaming up with. Um, he's not technically Dark Mechanicum, um, but he definitely gives off those those vibes. It's Vashtor the Arc... Is it Archifane? Archifane? Vashtor the Archifane. So a new demonic mechanical character and Forge Master who specialises in corrupt machines and insane innovation. We don't know too much about him yet, but he looks like a new 
intelligence in the warp and he is beautiful and I must have him in my life right now. It's just looking at these models. I, I desperately need to paint this up because I, I'm in love. I'm in love, guys. You're not going to like me, Matt, but I actually think he's 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 too creepy. He's he's too creepy. He's not for me. <laughs> you, you'd look at it and go, oh, no, cover it up. Uh, you'd have I, this I'll, on your shelf and it would turn to face you at night. Absolutely, that's the vibes I'd get. Um, no, no, he's, he's not going to be joining my. I can, I can, you know, I like his sort of wings that he's got going on there, but no, he's not going to be entering my collection. But um, it'd be good to face off against him. When I saw this model, I tell you what, I did think uh, it'd be cool to see a model of the Admec front cover with their um, what they called the Fabricator General. Yeah, those two facing off. That'd be um, that'd be pretty cool. Um, what did uh, Jay and Andy? What do you think of this uh, this new this new character and this new model? Gilliman's got his hands full, Annie. He? All these Angrons and new demon machines and. But to be honest, I think this model is really really nice. I love the. It's almost like quite like Kerrigan type Starcraft with the um, the wings or the taliny things coming out of his back, and I love that hammer. I think that hammer is awesome. Um, but yeah, I'm just looking, I'm looking forward to shooting it. Biomechanical <laughs> something we've not really seen for demons as such, just demon engines. He's he's very different, isn't he? And if this is the thought, now obviously we don't know what he is yet, really. But if this is like a precursor of what we might see for a reinvented Dark Mechanicum for 40k, I would love to see an army of like imagine lesser demons with this kind of lock. Mm, absolutely. Um, Andy, let's have your opinion as well, being the, the other chaos fanboy in this in this podcast. Um, to put it simply, um, I love him. He's awesome. He's really cool. Um, it, it, the only downside is that I'm only going to be buying one of him. That, that, that's the only like, don't get me wrong. I get, I get where you're coming from, Dave, because I, I did look at his face and was like, that's quite creepy. Like that is proper creepy. But then chaos isn't chaos isn't rainbows and butterflies is it so it's not, um, it's not. you are right there Andy. That, that it's, 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 yeah he could take a bass butterfly and force its soul into a demon engine he could he probably games workshop make it happen please <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i love him i uh, love the wings love the hammer i love his sort of he, he doesn't look like a fighter he looks more like a strategist like kind of a support piece I don't um, know. That big claw and that big hammer tell me otherwise, but I can see what you mean. And his wings made out of daggers. <laughs> yeah, he's no Angron, but yeah, no, I do like him. I think he's really nice. I'm I'm with Jake. There's there's way too many big baddies <laughs> running around at the moment. There absolutely needs to be another Primark to, to get out of bed and get stuck in uh, and give his brother a hand because um, he's all getting a bit too much. Um, but yeah, that capped off. Um, a very a very good preview um personally my, my personal sort of takes were the the, the age of sigma stuff um i really like the the new gloom spite um kits that they've revealed um but then i also did like the eight bound for the for the world eaters as well um if you guys could um pick something from that reveal what would you go for for me it's the arcs of omen i one of my favourite releases was the Broken Realms box for that evolving storyline. If we can get the same or similar for 40k, and there's going to be a host of awesome supporting models, because presumably Angron will come out alongside his book, Vashtor will come out alongside his kit, kit in the spring. Um, and also, Dave, what you haven't touched on, there is a fourth book 
that has oh, yes. a Xenos character. Now, there's a couple of Xenos characters this could be. It could be something new, entirely invented, like we got with Kragnos. It could be maybe a Norn queen or something for the Tyranids as an intelligence and a character for, you know, rather than just the mindless threat of the Tyranids, it'd be cool having a big, like, uh, you know, Tyranid queen style thing to, to lead them. And the Norn queen model was really, really cool back in epic days. It could be Vect. Him and his uh, pleasure barge haven't been seen around town for a long time. So that's another good call. So, yeah, the, the, the final one could be someone that's up your street, Dave. Farsight. Ooh. Oh, yeah. If you've got a new plastic kit, that'd be immense. Yeah, and storyline with the Farsight Enclaves maybe taking the battle to the uh, Arcs of Omen. That's a, that's an interesting, uh, yeah, an interesting thought. Um, but we'll we'll see you around sort of springtime, isn't it? Um, the last two books of the series. So five books in the, the summer, summer, which presumably just be just before the the tenth edition of Forty K. Yeah, that hasn't been confirmed yet, but it's probably happening. Yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, a very uh, exciting preview. Oh, sorry, Jay, Jay and Andy, what were your picks from the preview? Uh, I'm the most the thing I'm most excited about from the preview is the Arcs of Omen books the series. I want to see what's happening in the 41st millennium, the build up to what we think might be 10th edition. Andy, um, two things for me. First off, um, I like the fact that they confirmed the the fact that we can use like Terminators, Morlefiends, that sort of stuff in the new World Eater Codex, um, because now I can. You know, uh, I said it before, I bought a box of Terminators now because they've they said that in the article. So I'm like, cool, sweet, awesome. You know, um, I can paint up some World Eater Terminators now. So there's less to paint when the, the Army Box set comes out. Um, but I also like the Age of Sigmar roadmap um, for the exact same reason, knowing what's coming out next year and when it's coming out next year gives me the opportunity to build and paint stuff sort of now or early in the year like like matt said there's only two chaos battle tomes left and that's corn and slanesh well i've got uh, just over 2000 points of blades of corn already painted i just need to add in all the exciting stuff to that army and he denies the slanesh yeah i mean that's just an absolute gorgeous army especially seeing mats on the table it's absolutely gorgeous so knowing those are coming out in in the sort of like the springtime I think that for me was the highlight because it is it allows me to plan what I want to do now. So excellent, uh, and that brings us to the end of the preview. But it's not the end of the podcast because we have a super special pair of guests coming on next. So we'll be right back. So, as mentioned at the top of the show, we have two awesome special guests for this next segment. So, we're going to be saying hello to Peter Buxton of Transatlantis Games and Mr. Duncan Rhodes of Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Hello. Hiya. <laughs> hello, it's lovely to be here. And now, for those listeners who don't know who you both are, could we have a quick introduction? And let's start with you, Peter. Hi, I'm, um, I'm, um, I'm going to earn a lot. Peter Buxton from Transatlantis Games, and I've been a hobbyist stroke in the industry since last century, so we'll just leave it at that, how old I am. Uh, I have, in previous lives, owned my own game store. I have uh, been a professional painter. I've run painting studios, and for the past year, I've been 
helping uh, Transformers Games develop a paint range that you may have heard of called Two Pink Coats Paint uh, with the uh, wonderful Duncan Rhodes. I think that, that that goes nicely onto you, Duncan. <laughs> um, hello, uh, I am Duncan Rhodes. I, I have a very silly job and career where somehow I found myself teaching people how to paint toys for a living. Um, I'm not quite sure how I ended up in this position, really, but um, I'm really happy and blessed to do it. So I, I uh, basically I just try and help people enjoy their hobby more as best I can. Excellent. So as Peter um, mentioned there, that you're both joining us this week to chat about Two Thin Coats and the awesome new paint range that you've both collaborated on. Um, I, I guess the first question I have to ask is, how did this relationship begin? Um, well, I suppose we, um, before Transatlantis appeared, um, I talked to Peter in emails a few times and as we were setting up the painting academy and by extension Bob Watts as well who is the um, uh, the manager of Transatlantis and um, one day we got through the door a pitch from Bob um, that was very much sort of like Dragon's Den as if it was done through an envelope <laughs> uh, with I've got a proposition um, I'd like to make this paint range with you guys and Roger and I were like Wow, uh, let's let's sit down and think about this carefully, because <laughs> <laughs> we sure didn't expect it. Um, but what was quite incredible was um, the sort of the breadth of which um, was being proposed um, by Bob, who um, I'm sure Peter, Peter will tell you has got a lot of industry experience and has you know, done this sort of thing um, before in different guises. Um, but he was very much willing to allow us to um, tackle paints um directly from the point of view of what would um make the the best paint available for someone who's you know just wanting to enjoy their painting who's looking to improve their skills who's looking to get the most out of it um and sort of well it seemed to let us loose in doing this kind of thing so um yeah it was quite a quite a dramatic moment quite a extraordinary thing really and i think we we're very lucky to get the opportunity um how does that how does that correlate with your point of view on it, Peter? <laughs> uh, that, that's that's pretty much it. I had also a very interesting proposition from Bob, uh, and I read that, and then I had to sit down and go, "Wow, this is <laughs> exciting." Um, and yeah, I think we just met up with Duncan and just went full steam ahead into creating what we wanted out of a paint. Really, it's that's pretty much as simple as that. I'd either of you kind of in in the past thought about what goes in because obviously you've done a lot of painting Duncan had you ever kind of look at creating um paints before or were you kind of going into this completely fresh you know learning from the start sort of thing well it the idea of doing hobby products was something that um we had thought of with um with the painting academy so um these days since I left games workshop I work with my friend Roger and the two of us run um, our membership website doing painting videos and things. And we often thought to ourselves, it'd be really cool to be able to make some hobby products because it, it makes sense in the sort of line of things we were doing. Um, but we were thinking quite small scale, almost merchandise, like, you know, oh, it'd be nice to get some brushes with our branding on or something like that. Mm. Um, one day, wouldn't it be cool if we had a few paints? Wouldn't that be amazing? I wonder how we'd do that. And then all of a sudden we get this thing and we're like, good Lord. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so whilst we hadn't thought of directly like how we'd actually make such a thing, um, we did certainly have, we'd had plenty of conversations as to what we thought um, we would like in the perfect paint range, you know, and the, the sort of properties they'd have, the sort of colours that they'd be um, 
that sort of thing. So it was a bit um, a bit of a shock when suddenly we were able to look into it. Um, so we approached it all from that perspective. You know, like what would um, what would the dream range be? Um, if we were you, to, you, yeah, you sort right. of knew what outcome you wanted, like you, you knew what you would want out of a paint and yeah. just maybe yeah. not sure about how to get to that point. Yeah, well, I, I think anyone who's been painting for a while will find out very quickly that even within one range, paints behave very differently. Um, mm. And colours all, um, you know, it's part of the process of making a paint, you know, all sorts of colours are, are different. So if anyone's painted with, um, for, for sake of argument, for example, blue, you painted something blue, Blue generally covers really well and things. Then you try doing something yellow and it doesn't cover, cover very well. So, you know, there's all these sort of little quirks. But then even in amongst that, different ranges have different um, features. And over time, you'll start going, well, I like that colour because of also its colour, but also because of the, the things it does and the properties it has and how it, um, how it, how easy it is to manipulate in things. And so you'll like some and you won't like others. So um, it was a case of, you know, how could you address that and get that? consistency of the paint that could um be effortless to use mm-hmm. excellent um so I've, I've been reading up quite a bit about sort of the history of teeth coats and um the different paints that you're putting out and i know matt has um very luckily been able to to play around with those paints as well um what would you both say um are the key sort of features of this paint range when compared to some of the other competitors uh, that are out there? I don't know. Should we, should we start with you, Peter? Well, um, we don't like comparing ourselves to the competitors too much, uh, but we understand that everybody's got frame of reference. Um, so for me, with the paint, it's the smoothness and the application. Um, there's a great thing in the design world of it. It just works, mm. which you hear a lot back when you talk to people about the paints and when you use them themselves. And and for me, the property is that the, well, the paint just works. It paints the way that you want it to. It comes off the brush when you want it to. It goes where you need it to go. It's smooth application. Um, I mean, we're talking about some of the colours that when you put them on, they just they just work. And and it does sound like I'm gushing about it because you know we've been heavily involved <laughs> in it. But it's it's fun to use. It really is. It it's fun. It's smooth. Uh, the coverage is great. It's yeah. I can't say enough good things about it. I'm just glad other people find find out that it's you know it's it's as good as we think it is. So uh, yeah, yeah. It was a strange thing trying to articulate it, wasn't it? Uh, when the um, the Kickstarter was going um, of. Uh, I remember saying to people like, you'll understand exactly what I'm trying to describe the moment you try using it and how smooth it is and how rich the colour is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anyone wants to understand that, then I encourage you to pick up one bottle. I'd recommend going for something like Doom Death Black or Sanguine Scarlet and just have a go at painting it. And you'll see immediately what um, Peter's describing and that it will flow very well. It'll go just where you want it to. It'll have um, good smooth colour and it will dry really smoothly too. I mean, the the immediate thing that jumped out at me about your range was the sort of the triad, the way that you've you've got colours where if you use this colour, then you kind of move on to the next colour for your highlighting and things. I really like that because I know when I'm painting, I'm I would still call myself quite a, a, a novice when I'm painting, and I actually go a lot to the rest of the team, you know, for for some colour advice. I'm not I'm not great at knowing what to, you know, I'll say to Matt. In fact, Matt, I think only. The other day I asked you what would I use to highlight on a on quite a dark green, for example. Yeah. Having that actually built into your range, 
that makes it really approachable for everybody, doesn't it? Yeah, that was something that we were we were keen to have because um, I mean we could have just had like a massive selection of colours, just all like a randomly picked out really, but um, because of um, the background that Roger and I come from, where we're trying to make the hobby more accessible to people, you know, we're, um, we're trying to appeal broadly to people who are wanting to improve improve their their skills. So there's a particular for beginners when you get into it and you see a whole range of paints and there can be all kinds of colors and you don't really know like where do you start when it's like well i like that red but then you know which ones work with it so we thought it'd be a good idea to have a um a kind of recommended series you know of like if you are right, pick that one then there's going to be something related as a highlight to it and something related as a, a like shade to it um but it's not something that you have to specifically stick to it's more like it's a crutch you can lean on and get going and then you know play around with it as much as you like um i think it, there's room for um expanding these things as well and um over time it'd be interesting to see how people would play around with it and what sort of combinations they could come up with yeah, I think um, just to add to that, Duncan, I think even in the short time that's been out um, and somebody yesterday showed me a picture, it's like, wow, how did you do that? And they're explaining the sort of the, the colours that they're using outside the triads and mixing triads together. It's mm. it, it's quite, you know, it, it's quite exciting to see what people are doing with mm-hmm. this structure we've given them and this kind of toolbox of, yeah. It's it's exciting. It's fun, fun, isn't it, Duncan? Seeing it, over. <laughs> it is. It's quite. It, it's so we've been looking at the things for so long, um, and you know, there's been so many like questions and things, and like, oh, I hope that's all right, and oh, you know, like, oh, we like this. I hope people like it. So it's so cool to see people getting them, trying them, liking them, and then showing us pictures of what they painted with them. Um, that's really, really cool, and it actually gives you a sort of like a tingly feeling that I didn't really expect. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I, I bet it is. It's cool seeing other people like painting with your range you know i i had a part to play in creating that um i know i, I sometimes get when, when people comment on our videos that's nowhere near this kind of level you know i'm glad people oh, enjoying that uh, i i wish i could um I, I wish i could accurately sum it up in words how surreal life feels for these days <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know, living like, live the dream is what we call it, don't it work? Um, the dream. It's, all, it's always just been about just wanting people to enjoy painting their miniatures and just like unlocking, you know, mysteries that you know certainly I think more prevalent ten years ago back when I started doing the the video stuff. But um, never for a minute did I think somebody would use be using paints that we've worked on and developed. Um, it's quite extraordinary and really humbling, I think, to see it happen. Nice. Now, I want to turn to you for for a moment, Matt, because I know you've been lucky enough to actually have been playing around with some of these paints. Um, so I have to ask you, what, what have been your first impressions? Yeah, well, I've been feverishly working away in the uh, in the studio with them, and they, they are really, really nice. They've got kind of like a, I, I guess, closer to matte than satin finish and still really, really vivid with it. We were talking before we recorded on the, um, the Doom Death Black, Single coat of that, thin down, round the rims, it looks beautiful. You can't see any brush marks. It's got a really, really nice feel to it. And that it goes to the paints as well. Um, you talked about the triads earlier, the the orange sequence. I've, you, you've seen pictures of something I've painted that I can't talk about yet, haven't you, Dave? But I have, that orange yes. is, is so vivid and nice. Um, the metallics in particular, I find really good as well. Um, the gold's phenomenal. Which one is it? Dragon's gold, the kind of mid-gold one. Mm-hmm. Um equally as good as you know games which have got some premium metallics and i think these are just as nice to work with um i really like the 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 low silver 
What's that mm-hmm. called? Sir Coat Silver. Sir so Coat I'm looking to the little, little cheat sheet with the names on. Really nice. It's more of a kind of like a, a, a black silver, like a gun metal, which is mm-hmm. really, really nice. I know um, Jay was exclaiming when I was painting up the uh, Venom Assassin for Horus Heresy, how, how nice that metal looked. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of trying to find lots more models that I can use the rest of the range with because they've been really, really fun to paint with so far. <laughs> Excellent. Um, do you three have a, a favourite colour from the the range so far? Um, I, I I think I really like Doom Death Black. Um, I, I really like having a black that covers um, quickly, smoothly, um, because blacking out details and things sometimes can be a bit arduous. So I really like it for that. Um, also Death Reaper because I like having an off black on things and then shading it down. So, mm. um, you know, I have all the colors I could have picked up and I was gone for like the really dark blacks. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there are loads yeah, of ones. Uh, one I'm really happy with is emerald green um, because um, I found greens of that sort of color to be quite frustrating sometimes to get smooth finish to them. And this one again covers really well and dries really smoothly. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I, I, it's just something that's, um, I suppose it's not for me it's not so much the color it's like the thing i'm like yeah that's great you know i like the colors of course um but it's the the behavior i think so it's quite difficult for me to pick one out in particular i I guess how about you peter uh darks on yellow because i was going to say all the ones that duncan said so uh, (laughs) (laughs) for for pretty much the same reason as Duncan. no uh i've used it on um an army that i was uh, halfway doing that happens to live in the swamp uh, with big bright yellow shields um mentioning no names my auric army uh, and sneaking, yeah. they were sneaky they snuck onto my desk and yeah. i repainted all of the um the shields with docks on yellow because i loved it that much it's for me it's just like that dark yellow that you want that's actually the yellow not maybe orange or maybe brown or maybe something like that. It's, it's, you put it on it, it's definitely like, this is dark, this is yellow, this is darks and yellow. It's brilliant. That's my favourite. I was going to say yellow is one of those colours as well, isn't it? I know I've had a, a limited success with, with yellow colours, um, so it's nice to have a, a go-to yellow that, that works perfectly. Um, yeah, well, Matt- ooh, I will give a quick shout-out to the, uh, the Bone Triad as well. So if you found painting skeletons and the like with, I don't know, Zandri just or something, it could be sometimes a bit temperamental. But Dragon Fang up to Skeleton Legion and then Vampire Fang is so, so nice. And again, it comes out how smooth the paint goes on. Um, I, was, I was painting some skulls and only needed a coat of the um, the Dragon Fang. Highlighted up with the Skeleton Legion. It looks so, so nice. So I kind of want to paint some undead with this as well. Excellent. Well, I was going to ask you, Matt, which which was your favourite? I think you've just, you've just answered that for us. Um, so of course, uh, Toothing Coats is is now out in the wild. Um, we will put some links in the the podcast notes so you you can pick some of these up yourself. Um, but is, is this is this is this it for Toothing Coats, or have we have we got some more on the horizon? Well, can we expect more colours and potentially other options? Well, I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say, Peter. You better leave this one. Ooh, um, <laughs> I, I, perhaps that's that's probably a, a yes. We, we might Ooh, have mysterious. something in the horizon um I, I always like to say when people ask this is well we we do have a rack for our american audience that are coming in the, again sorry if this sounds too salesy hopefully it won't uh and it might have space for more than 60 paints so excellent oh, that's a that's just a nice little tease for the for the future um i like that um we of course know Duncan that you you hobby quite quite a lot and um, you've got quite a few things going on for your um for your channel and for the academy. 
Um, have you got anything, sort of any personal projects currently on your painting desk that you're working on? Oh, well, I've got some friends who live down in Ipswich and um, I, I do reenactment with them over the summer and over winter we all like start meeting up for gaming. So um, I've been working on a few miniatures that we're going to be gaming with there and that includes a Flames of War late war army. So I'll start painting some British tanks oh, nice. um, and also we're going to have a go with some ancients um, and uh, we finally managed to nail down like a time period that we're doing around 300 BC. So I've got some Romans for that. Um, so yeah, a whole bunch of historicals, I think. It's kind of the main thing I'm doing. I'm quite glad about finally painting Romans because for years and years, Roger used to make fun of me that whenever I was painting any historicals, I was obviously Romans <laughs> in his way, just like not caring at all about the specifics of what I'm doing. Um, like, no, it's French fusiliers from 1807. Are oh, Romans then? <laughs> now I'm finally painting Romans. You're finally painting Romans. <laughs> uh, it'd be really cool to paint some Romans, actually. I've always uh, see. I've, I've, my, most of my hobby kind of is contained with Warhammer, but I do, I do keep having this temptation to, to broaden my horizon a little bit. I know Matt, you, you, you paint quite a few different things um, now. I know you've, you've been trying to get me into Marvel Crisis Protocol, which will probably be my, the one I go to next. I think. Oh, nice. um, But yeah, painting some Romans would be cool at some point as well. Um, Andy loves that Marvel Cross Protocol. I hear it's very, very good. Yeah, yeah. Worth, worth taking a look. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you've kind of teased it, Peter, but um, it sounds like you do a little bit of hobbying as well. Um, do you have a preferred system, and what are you currently working on? Uh, well, unfortunately, after many, many years of just painting, I can't remember the last time I played an actual game of miniature. <laughs> so, which sounds really bad, but I've painted a heck of a lot of armies in my in the, my past career and stuff like that um so um i don't actually have a preferred kind of system i'm huge huge uh, rpg D &D nerd so if it's got anything to do with an edition of D &D, a warlock or druid or you know anything like that i'm probably more than likely wanting to paint that uh, it's very disappointing when my D&D group is like, let's play with miniatures. What do you mean you don't want to play with miniatures? That's really <laughs> sad. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've, I've tend to in just a lot to do with time and trying to set up a, a, a war game and stuff like that. I mean, I still collect the armies. I've got a nice uh, Uruk army on the go. Hence the, the shields of Swamp Boys, what are they called? No, Cruel They're Boys. boys. They're yeah. Cruel Boys. Uh, yeah, and there's the a burdening sort of Necron army in the background there Ooh. uh we've just started i'm, I'm a bit of a hobby, hobby magpie as you can tell uh we've just started age of conquest by parabellum as Ooh. a team uh so the a group of us in the factory are all doing like a um a tale of gamers sort of thing all sat around we've got um an army box each that we're painting up and we're going to start learning to play games and stuff like that uh so nice. yeah there's just lots of different projects as, as every good hobbyist should have a pile of <laughs> Half-painted oh, uh, projects. Absolutely. <laughs> anybody on on the Spruce and Bruce team, and probably our listeners will tell you that I jump around between armies more than anybody else. And I'm I'm a, I'm a real sucker for new stuff. <clears throat> I think I've trained myself a little bit better just recently, but um, I do have this tendency on on jumping off projects when I'm at. D- D- Dave started more projects than he's had hot dinners. <laughs> I understand your point of view, Dave. Uh, with, with, um, with what we paint, you know how we're always doing these new releases every week. It's like you gotta have a will of iron not to be starting a new army each week. Mm. I must do it. We did the Demon Prince. Um, we just finished it today, and uh, I was looking at the the Slaves to Darkness book, and I was like, man, those new Chaos Knights look a bit good. <laughs> <laughs> I had the pleasure of a game against them uh, only a week or so ago, uh, Duncan. So if you do decide to go for them. They're, they are they are very tasty when they are buffed up, um, as my poor Skaven found out. 
<laughs> oh dear. <laughs> well, it's it's been absolutely amazing having you uh, you both on. Um, but before we get to the end of this segment, I've got to ask a key question that we ask everybody that we have on this show and everybody we have on any of our videos, uh, and that is, what is your favourite sprue? And your favourite brew. Now, Duncan, you're you're a veteran at this. We've asked you this many times, so <laughs> we're going to go to you first. Uh, what's your favourite brew and brew at the moment? I think traditionally I always say more than one thing because I can never make my mind up. <laughs> um, I think I, I, something that always stays for me is like a real magnificent model kit is the Warlord Titan um, from Games Workshop. You know, for Adeptus Titanicus. Ooh, nice, I think that's yeah. a that's a beautiful model. And building it's like building a model kit of a battleship. So um, I think that's uh, that's a great one. Have um, you ever built but, the um, Forge World one, Duncan? Um, no, I've never built a Forge World one. No, I built a Reaver from Forge World, but not nice. a Warlord. Um, I hear the world's a nightmare to put together. But anyway, the, the Titanicus one is great. Um, but, you know, it's hard to decide. I think the um, the Viking sprue from Victrix, um, I built some Vikings early this year, and that sprue is amazing for the amount of options and posability and stuff you get on there. It's really good fun. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's something that stands out. Excellent. And, and you, oh, and sorry, your favourite brew? Oh, yes. Oh, well, it's got to be a fine cup of tea. Of course. Excellent, excellent. And I believe you're you're you. Am I right in saying you're a Yorkshire fan? Uh, Yorkshire tea is a fine cup of tea. Yes. Okay, yes. Yeah, I mean, I um, you know, if you, you want to savour the flavour, then Yorkshire's a good place to go. <laughs> glad, glad I remembered that correctly. Uh, and over to you, Peter. What would your favourite sprue and brew be? Um, again, probably like Duncan. Mine changes pretty much hourly. Um, <laughs> so at the moment, the most fun I've had painting probably this year is a a little doggy from dungeons and doggies by steamforged game oh. uh, going back to my dnd i don't know if you've seen them uh, so but his cool. name's elvis and he's a bard cavalier <laughs> and oh, wow. i painted him to look like dog tanyan that's oh amazing, amazing. that's so cool and, and i just had so much fun and it was like right okay i've got to paint something up very quickly for for a bit of social media it's like ah what have i got oh he's good and then i spent far too long painting a red coat on this poor little cocker spaniel with his <laughs> tongue hanging out and it's just <laughs> absolutely brilliant um, i mean you win for the dog tanyan reference yeah i mean that that's it i was singing the theme tune and everything you should you should look at it it's absolutely fantastic brilliant and your favorite brew is a strong cup of black coffee i'm afraid it's oh, uh, black coffee okay black no. coffee yeah good good choice good choice um so thank you again for joining us um of course, Toothing Coats is, is available to buy now. Um, like I say, in the, the podcast notes, we'll, we'll put some links on where to find them. I believe you do have a link over on your Academy website as well, Duncan. Is that right? Indeed we do. Yes, we've got a whole page dedicated to it with lots of information and links. Excellent stuff. Um, so, yeah, make sure you um, make sure you check that out. And again, just check the, the podcast notes for all the links that you need. Uh, thanks again, gentlemen. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thanks very much. And I'd just like to, uh, just uh, a quick thing, uh, basically a massive thank you to everybody who backed the Kickstarter and for believing in it. And um, I saw a lot of people who backed it because they trusted um, that we do something good. And uh, I found it very um, personally touching that so many people believed in what we were doing. Um, so thank you very much. I hope you'll enjoy using them. And also thanks to all of you folks who have uh, picked up some of the paints since too. Um, I really hope you like them. Excellent. Um, and yeah, that, that brings this segment to a close and we've got plenty more to get through. So we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
We are only a matter of weeks away from another year coming to a close. So it's that time where we look back at what has actually come out in the worlds of Warhammer since January. Um, Matt, I believe you've done your homework and you've got um, the long list of, of what's been released this year ready. Um, I imagine this is going to be quite a big list. Yeah, so so we're doing a little bit more free form, you know, feel free to jump in and, and share your experiences. There's a lot of stuff that I forgot when going through here. So we kicked off in, 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 in January 2022. A brand new year started and we had Codex, Adeptus Custodes and Gene Steeler Cult up for pre-order. Um, a bit of a twofer following on from the Battle Box that came out in December. Both of these were pretty fun books, weren't they, Jay? Uh, yeah, I, I need to use the Adeptus uh, Custodes one a, a, a bit more, actually, with all of the... What are they called, Andy? Catans, are they? Or? Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Marshall Catans, I can't remember now. Yeah. Uh, especially after using the Legio Custodes in Horus Heresy, I do actually... Obviously, uh, the whole army I painted is compatible with Warhammer 40k to give them a spin again. Yeah, no, it's really good. But they, well, that wasn't just a, a 40k kind of early January. So we also had Fury of the Deep, a battle box bit in the Fire Slayers versus the Eidneth, which was a really, really good value uh, battle box too. I was uh, I was very impressed with that one. Yeah. If, if you prefer uh, piratical ogres, though, there was Black Powder's Buccaneers. Uh, I know your um, your youngest Jay is all over pirates. So this is a model to maybe ease him into uh, painting Warhammer. <laughs> literally a pirate um we also got a, a kill team starter set so following on from octarius which is a big box you know expensive box with lots of scenery stuff in there was a kill team starter set which i think it's like 50 quid which just had the board some basic scenery and then the entire death core creed kill team and the orc kill team Ooh. really really nice entry point into the game and i kind of hope that they do the same for Warcry this year yeah to kind of like ease people in um we also got the new chapter approved 2022, um, the first of two that came out this year, I believe. Uh, and we heard news that there was a Panini sticker album coming, which is just all kinds of ridiculous. Um, we also saw Eldritch Omens, a box pitting the Eldari against the Chaos Space Marines. So already January was feeling fair, fairly... Um, kind of packed and i know jay your your pointy ears pricked up at the the kind of tantalizing tease that there might be more eldari coming later in the year with the eldritch romans box which i've got to say was a really good battle box too yeah i've got i've got that behind me here i I painted that up for spruce bruce in the elatic color scheme Uh, i'm actually taking them with me to the purpose broccoli unicorns event on saturday sunday yeah, oh, I was going to nice. ask actually what you were bringing along, uh, Jay. Elder. Nice. That's really cool. That's really cool. Going into um, into Feb, we had the the Tau Codex come out, and Dave, you started a long running Tau Crusade project <laughs> over on YouTube. <laughs> oh, Matt. Oh, Matt. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. Um, episode two is still somewhere on my hard drive um I, I it was a really good book uh and, and um I, I do need to go back to it um but the guard have absolutely captured my heart i can't really look past the 40k army uh, past the guard at the moment um i'm good i'm not taking them on sunday but um i'm hoping to run a crusade with them especially with that new crusade rules in their book yeah uh, that's really cool and um, we also saw the tome of champions for Warcry come out which 
had some really, really fun stuff for Warcry. Obviously, it's it's for the previous edition of the game now, but there's some really fun stuff you could do that with, like branching storylines and loads of awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, I hope we get more of that for the new edition too, um, alongside some new boxes that had various Warcry forces built for Major Sigmar uh, miniatures. A surprise release, which was maybe a bit of a precursor of what was coming later in the year, was the Black Library Celebration 2022 models, uh, Zephon of the Blood Angels and Fafnir Ran of the Imperial Fists. Now, two plastic Horus Heresy miniatures out of the blue. What could that possibly mean for 2022? Do you know, I still really like that Imperial Fist character. Um he keeps tempting me a little bit to do Imperial Fisk. I think he's really, really cool. Um, but no, I'm, I'm sticking with my Dark Angels. Yeah, he was cool. Uh, and from Cubicle 7, we also had Elect Accounts, an old world card game. So this was cool. It was an in-universe card game that is played in the taverns of the old world, given in physical form, so that if you're playing a game of Warhammer Fantasy roleplay and you play a game of the card game within the game, you can actually play that game in the game by using the game sold by Cubicle 7. That's like Whoa. inception levels of uh, games within <laughs> games there. But I really, like, I really like that when you have in-universe stuff and you can actually play the actual game in-universe rather than having to roll on a dice test or something to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And really fun game, really quick game. Uh, I should bring it along next time we go to Bugman's or something and have a game of it because it is really fun. Um, but the big release for February and one that Jay was poured lots and lots of time into was Codex Eldari. Uh, Jay, take us back to February and, and talk about your experiences with this and the model range. This was one of my favourite Warhammer 40k codexes to be released in 9th edition, I think. It was almost as big as the Space Marine Codex, and it basically it combined... There was so many different sort of sub-actions. Obviously, you had the Craftworld Eldar, you had the Inari in there, there were Corsairs in there, and also the Harlequins. And I, I liked everything about this book, actually. I, I really liked the um, Crusade content, especially the Harlequin Crusade content. Um, and there was a, a, a massive... I say massive wave of Eldar models that came out with it, which is true, but there are still gaps in this range. So we still got, obviously, the, the swooping hawks and warp spiders and fire dragons and things that, that, that still need to be redone. But that said, we did we got new guardians. We got new shining spears. We obviously have the stuff out of Eldritch Omens, um, Dark Reapers. Um, there was Morgan Ra, the Avatar of Cain, which I think you painted up, didn't you, Matt, for the site? Um, a really yeah, nice model. Really fun to paint up. Um, it was a cracking... I, I, I really, really... It was one of the... One of the, the the best Eldar codexes in a long time, I think. Okay, so going on to March. It was, this March was a quiet month, but we had quite a few core releases. We had new battle tones for the Fire Slayers and the Eidneth Deepkin, kind of building on what was in that January battle box. We also saw Kill Team Nackmund, which kind of continued with the Eldar Chaos theme that we had going through the year, with the new Eldar Corsairs and the uh, the, the Chosen, I believe, were in this box for the... Um, the Chaos Space Marines. We also got Tempest of War come out, which was a new way of playing games of 40k. We'd had it before, but it was a new deck, basically generating quick games of, of 40k. We also had an announcement that a large majority of the Horus Heresy um, range was uh, last chance to buy. This is odd. We've had two plastic uh, Heresy kits come out the following month, 
and then a load of heresy kits disappearing from the website. Hmm. And these just like... weren't these just weren't any Forge World kits. These were like the big names, Sakarians, Leviathans. Yeah, it was it was basically the building blocks of building an Astartes army for for, for Age of Darkness. So uh yeah, that was that was mysterious, wasn't it? So after a little kind of breather that we got in April in March, there wasn't much of a breather, a couple of battle terms and a load of stuff coming out, but compared to the rest of the year, that really was a breather. Uh, going into April we had Arena of Shades, which was a new battle box pitting the Night Haunt against the uh, the Daughters of Cain. We also got Tyranids go up for pre order. Uh, which again, you were quite excited that the the uh, the Parasite and Mortrex came out with that, which has been a uh, a model that has been on the horizon for a long time but never actually released. We also got um, a new kind of supplement for Age of Sigmar in Season of War Thondia. This is one of my favourite releases of the year, to be honest. And it was kind of like the kind of supplement books that you get for a role playing game. But for yeah. Age of Sigmar, so you got a lot of you. You've recently picked this up, haven't you, Dave? And as well as the kind of like gaming material, there's actually a lot of like in-universe material. There's a there's a there's an adventurer who's chronicling his his exploits across Thondia and writing and drawing descriptions of the various wildlife that he encounters, which yeah, I, I really loved. I agree with you, Matt. This is probably one of my releases of the year. Um, I only picked one up. I mean, I've, I wanted to pick it up for a while anyway when it came out. But the the reason I picked it up eventually was because we were going to a narrative weekend and it, it was using that book for all your battle plans and things. And also um, it allowed you to build a character using the anvils of Apotheosis, which is also included in the book, to use during that weekend. Um, and yeah, I really wish I picked it up earlier because it was an absolutely fantastic book, packed full of lore, um, some really good rules, some really cool narrative battle plans um yeah definitely worth um worth getting and this when we were talking the previous um preview section i want to see more of this yeah i hope i hope we see an, um, uh, a season of war gnarlwood or something to tie it into the current setting for this year i think mm. these books unfortunately have been heavily delayed due to covid reading between the lines so hopefully they start to catch up looking at the release schedule for next year it looks like they certainly want to catch up with the releases anyway so fingers crossed uh, alongside this we also had the new um uh, incarnate and we had a load of new scenery as well which is really really exciting we also had the norse come out for blood ball which i painted up they were amazing fun we had the first of two Warhammer Underworld starter boxes in Nether Maze come out with skaven fighting some uh, dark elves and then the big one for the month really was the release of necromunda ash wastes a big box with a new essentially a new edition of necromunda allowing you to play games out in the ash waste with some really cool uh like habitats that that people could live in within the ash waste themselves going into may we had a bit of a surprise release in a chaos knights army box not only did we get a new chaos knight we got a new chaos knight like armager as well uh, and between the, the the two kits, you could build a whole variety of different evil spiky knights. Really, really enjoy painting them up for the uh, the site, and I want to kind of expand them out to two thousand points. Um, we also had a Horus Heresy uh, reveal event. Yes, the rumours were true. The Horus Heresy was coming back, and we headed on down to um, a special uh, event that they put on at Warhammer World, where they had um Marduk Sedras of the Dark Angels and Kabanda, yes, <laughs> Kabanda 
available on early release and admittedly it was a very early release wasn't it by the Mm. time they finally came out Uh, and we learned about the box we saw what was in it it looked glorious and we couldn't wait to get our hands on it but that's not it guys we had battle tomes for the daughters of cain for the night haunt we had a battle box for skaven versus sylvaneth we had a new imperial knights codex we had a new kill team box, Morok, with the Space Marines versus the Traitor Guard. We had a Middle-Earth Defense of the North book and a whole host of models, including the Dragon Emperor. It's safe to say that May was fairly busy, but that was just a precursor to what was coming in June. Yes, the Age of Darkness had arrived, and with it, possibly the best starter box that Games Workshop have ever done in the Age of Darkness box, which contains, I haven't done the math for a while, but I think it's just shy of about 2,000 points worth of uh, Horus Heresy in there, isn't there? Yeah. An awful lot of stuff. They had some big books, one for each of the, the loyalists and the traitors. We had a load of new kits, the the, the classic uh, Rhino, the um, Spartan, the Kratos, all sorts of stuff come out along with their new Mark VI armor and upgrade packs to, to equip them with the weapons that you need massive massive release and that was that's pretty cool but we also got with squats yes plastic squats for necromunda came out classic squats it was mental it was absolutely bananas we'd never seen such a thing uh during all this the uk games expo was on as well which was just bananas uh back to its full strength after the kind of like smaller year last year jay i think it's safe to say yeah yeah um for middle earth we also got shape-shifting bears we got the new skaven and sylvan with battle tomes finally come out a whole expansion for necromunda codex chaos space marines uh the Minotaurian field manual with new points and warzone nephilim the latest um kind of chapter approved pack again we're seeing two of these a year now with shared our thoughts on having multiple kind of like editions of a book in a year for the tournament scene it doesn't move fast it does shift things but i think i preferred the annual releases personally so yeah june was a busy old month so july surely we had a bit of a breather and admittedly yes yes we did uh, we saw commander up for pre-order we saw the squats actually released for um necromunda we also got quite a few of the chaos kits they'd been delayed a little bit so we had the cultists we had the Dark Commune, um, we got the Leviathan Siege Dreadnought for the Horus Heresy, and the big release really for July was um, Warcry Heart of Gur, which was a brand new edition of Warcry with some absolutely gorgeous new scenery uh, and some awesome warbands and kind of revised, the, not completely overhauled the game, but shaved off some of the rough edges and made things work a lot neater. And alongside all this, we also had a brand new contrast uh, release. Have you tried any of the new contrast paints yet, Dave? You know what? I don't think I have, uh, Matt. I, I've I've got the new Agrax Earth shade because um, he's slightly changed the formula in that. Uh, yeah, well, they completely changed the formula. They 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 changed all the shades to work like contrasts because I'd I'd used contrast as shades for a long time, and I was, I was telling you how how cool that was. So essentially, the the medium that they use is now like contrast based, and then the new contrast that they put out were a higher pigmentation and have got amazing coverage. So you don't really get the kind of tide marks that you sometimes get on contrast. Mm. Uh, yeah, highly recommend trying them out, especially the really kind of vivid yellows and reds and blues. You paint a lot with contrast. And I think they'd really suit your paint style, Dave. 
Yeah, I, do you know, I've been tempted to um, do quite a vibrant Stormcast army using one of the new contrast paints mm. over potentially um, uh, a lead belcher base coat to really make them shine. Yeah, so that's that's really, really cool. Um, going into August, we um, we thought, OK, we've had a few busy months. Things might slow down a little bit. Didn't really go to plan like that. Um, we saw a load of new Middle Earth stuff. We heard a new concept where a new battle bot, a new uh, boxed game for Middle Earth, Battle for Asgiliath, would be coming out this Christmas, and they would take pre-orders in September to accommodate that. Now we've not seen any more kind of anything released in that style yet. But I think that's a good thing. I know people, it's technically not out yet, but I know people have started to receive their copies of Battle of Escalia. And I oh. think that's potentially a really good way of doing it, isn't it? Say if say if there is a new edition of 40K coming out in the summer and in, I don't know, March, April, they go, OK, you can pre-order it and guarantee you'll get one on day one. I think people will do it. I, I absolutely think that's what they're going to do. I think this is testing the water. Um, for them to do that because look at what happened last time with the Indomitus box a fantastic value box that not everybody could get on launch weekend and they um, made more but it was a, like a three month lead time for it so absolutely. you just bring that lead time forward don't you and then you've got yeah. enough copies made yeah. um, and they're not keeping the cards quite as close to the chest anymore we've seen that in the previews the stuff stretching out to like spring summer isn't there when normally they'd always be on that three month window so yeah, yeah. Uh, that was really cool. The Heresy hype train didn't slow down either. We got the Range Leviathan, we got the Sakaran, we got the Liber Mechanicum book, which while didn't include any new models, did have new rules for the Mechanicum, a new army list for the Knights, and the Titan Legions. We also saw Arcane Cataclysm, an awesome box pitting the Zinch forces against the Luminous Realm Lords. We saw some new models come out for Warcry, like the Centurion Marshal. We saw the Chaos Possessed come out for 40k, the Accursed Cultists. And finally, we saw Codex Chaos Demons get released with a very, very good book. Moving into September, however, we had Into the Dark, a brand new edition of Kill Team set on a spaceship, guys, with awesome modular scenery. That I remember you came around, Dave, and I was like, excitedly showing you. Cause I don't think there was proper pictures up on Warcom yet. I was excitedly showing you how the doors opened and it all slots together. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I am super, super excited. Um, we also saw a host of stuff, models for Necromunda, like the Goliath, the Goliath Maulers. We saw um, Cinderac burning, a whole new narrative story for Necromunda with the attempted assassination of Lord Helmore and the storyline of basically who his successor is going to be. We saw the Demos Rhino, Predator, sorry, come out in plastic as well. And we saw the Leagues of Votan, the squats essentially, coming back for Warhammer 40,000 with a big old box. But that wasn't it. It wasn't just squats. We had Disciples of Zinch. We had Amazons for Blood Bowl. September was a mental month. Surely October would be a little bit quieter. Um, No, not really. We had a whole expansion for Curse City come out alongside the re-release of the original Curse City box. Um, I think it's safe to say that Night Wars sold very well because it disappeared in like a few seconds, didn't it? (laughs) did yeah so yeah that was a um that was a shame but hey it, there's another one coming 
hopefully they print more of them, maybe. Uh, we also saw battle tomes for the Sons of Bayomat, the Realm of the Luminous Realm Lords, the Land Raider Proteus come out, Shadow Vaults, the next expansion for Kill Team, not a month after the previous ones with the awesome Kasarkin and the Necrons. Crazy stuff. It's just, I, I can't believe how quick the year's gone. Um, we also saw the Leagues of Otan full release about three weeks after the Battle Box, the Ogre Battle Tome, and Narwood, the new Warhammer Underworld set. It was a busy October. People's wallets were bled dry. November, I mean, November's, you know, run up to Christmas. Surely we'll have a breather there. No, we didn't. We've got the Ogre Moor Tribes. We've got the Libra Imperium. There's Battle Force boxes up for pre-order. We've got the Goth Rocker, the awesome new Cadia Stands box, and the Slaves to Darkness box. And we're not even through the year yet, guys. We've still got December to go. It's like... I can't believe just how much stuff they've released yeah. this year. Yeah, there's been an awful lot, and uh, I, I can only imagine what next year is going to be like for releases. It's going to be absolutely bonkers, I think. Um, so much stuff there. I mean, you've you've got to choose this week's top three bat to try and choose three things from from that twelve months. It's a big ask. Hard. And really, I've only I've only really hit the kind of like big ticket items there. There's model releases and stuff in all this as well. It's uh, it's a hard one. Absolutely. Um, thank you for doing your homework though, Matt, uh, and and just reminding us of of how much crazy stuff has come out this year. I know Andy, um, before we started recording the podcast, double checked if Age of Darkness came out this year because it's been a funny old year, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I completely forgot. I I generally thought. I'll tell you what, since like 2020 and since we've had like lockdown and all that sort of stuff, my perception of time has just gone right out the window. But yeah, Age, Age of Darkness was this year, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, so uh, that's all the stuff that came out this year. Um, we have just alluded to the top three. We're going to move on to that next. So we'll be right back. So. How do we pick three things from all that stuff that Matt just talked about? Well, we're going to give it a go with this week's top three. Um, Matt, I'm going to pick on you first thing as you've just done the year in review. What were your top three picks from that slate of releases? That that seems fair, considering I uh, I I put this on everyone. You know what? I've just out of the corner of my eye seen a model even mentioned the roundup, the Deluxe Spiker, the big psychic guy with the big head. That's. Um... Mm. Yeah, it it was very very hard doing this. Um, I I imagine most of us might have quite a bit of overlap there, and that's not you know a bad thing necessarily. It's no disrespect to the rest of the stuff that came out. Once we've done the top threes, I might list through some ones that nearly made the list because you guys might cover the ones that didn't make it. But I've got a feeling number one might be the same across the board. Number three was a model that I picked up at the Horus Heresy Open Day, a model that I've been very much looking forward to. I, It's no secret that I'm a bit of a demon collector. I have got most of the Forge World demon models because I just enjoy building them and painting them up. I think they're phenomenal. Uh, so when there was a new one coming out, and not only, you know, a new Bloodthirster, but the general of uh, Korn's armies, Cabanda. I had to pick him up. He, when we saw him in the preview pictures, he didn't look too much bigger than a than a standard bloodthirster. And the, because of the way his wings are like, the way the model's 
pose it's like he's just landed and his wings are kind of like flopped behind him rather than the big kind of overarching wings that the exalted bloodthirst has got but Cabanta's like just as big as him and imposing and he's just such a cool model so i um i had to have him on the top three at number three he is going to get painted up for golden demon i think i want to do a decent job on him and obviously he's going to lead my demon uh 30k army as well so i think i've been lucky that i've been able to pick up the show and build it up you know early where relatively speaking it didn't come out too long ago did it the actual model from like to buy normally so no, it didn't. I, was, I was quite lucky to be able to pick it up early it's not a cheap model but it's a nice centerpiece model so yeah number three is cabanda the demon general of cygnus now number two was something that again i've been looking forward to it was a year of stuff that i've been looking forward to for a long time um, this year and one of them was ash wastes which was a a concept that had been in like a um you know, in magazines and uh, supplements, but not never an official box set for the original 90s edition of Necromunda. So when I heard that we were getting a full vehicular expansion for Necromunda, a la Gorka Morka, uh, yeah, I was all over it. And then when the box came out and it had that just frankly amazing scenery and the, and the new vehicles and the new rules that interact with that, we played through we got through a couple of games in the campaign before house movement stuff put the brakes on it but i think it's safe to say we all had ace time playing uh games of ash waste didn't we yeah we yeah. did yeah and the fact that it's, it's fully compatible with the zone mortalis stuff as well it's not as if it's it, i think a few people were concerned it's going to be an expansion rule set that was just here's the rules for games in the in the ash waste when no it was just expansions to the rules to accommodate vehicles meaning that in the same campaign you could go from the ash waste to the underhive to to sector mechanica scenery really really good way of doing it and the box was phenomenal and i can't wait to see what else we get for that but the number one i i didn't want to put this as a number one because i think everyone's going to put it but i just had to because it is frankly the best release this year and possibly the best value box that Games Workshop has ever done, the Age of Darkness box. So this is the, the second edition box for the Horus Heresy. Um, it's just crazy value. You get, what, 40 Space Marines in there, 20 Terminators, a Contemptor, a Spartan, two Praetors, the four hardback rulebook. It's just bananas that you get all that yeah. for £180 and, and cheaper. I, I think I've seen them floating around as cheap as £120 from some third parties. It's mental. It really is. And it's yeah. so hard to... <laughs> the, 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 the funny thing is, it's hard to like pick up a box of like Mark VI Marines because for... Say if you're buying two of those things out of that box, for relatively not much more, you can get a load more stuff, can't you? Mm. Um, if I was starting a new army and didn't have any models i would just buy an age of darkness box and that would probably cover the core of my uh heresy army yeah so yeah it had to make the number one choice age of darkness and the new second edition of warhammer the horus heresy excellent um i'm gonna do um my next um but i have got an honorable mention uh first of all um he was pushed out of my top three by something else but i'm gonna give a shout out to erasmus cartavelius the cartav 
whatever his name is. He was an Order Malice Inquisitor that was released for the store anniversary. Ah. Um, I'm a big fan of Inquisitors, and that model is absolutely amazing. He's probably my favourite Inquisitor. I've yet to use him in a game. He's going to be leading my guard. I think he's going to be joining them. Um, brilliant model. But it was pushed out of my top three. My third choice um, is, of course, the um, Season of War Thondia for Age of Sigmar. Um, I wish I'd picked it up earlier um, and put more thought into creating a character when we went to the narrative event. Matt definitely won't be making that mistake again for the next one. Um, I definitely want to get on board with that very quickly. Um, I just hope they, they, they get the next narrative book out soon because you know it, it was really really good uh, and playing those battle plans during the narrative event were, were a lot of fun um especially on the second day when it kind of moved away from sort of kill points so that was really cool um my second choice uh you've covered matt has to be uh, uh, to be fair i've not really done anything with mine yet but I, I have a feeling that's going to change over the next few weeks. And that's the Age of Darkness box set. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really got into Horus Heresy previously, um, but I, I really got onto the hype train of, of, of um, the release when it came out in the summer. And just a few things I've got in my way to really um, prevent me from really getting headlong into it. But I think we're potentially looking at maybe doing a Heresy event next year. I think now's the time to really get on board and, and get a Heresy army completed to play against you guys and because hearing how much fun you've had playing and being able to stomp around with a Primarch and stuff is just too tempting um, to pass up Uh, and that box is absolutely the ideal way of of getting in uh, and being able to do that Um, so I really need to to, to get those um, finished built and get them painted Um, but that leaves my top choice um, which is a very recent release um, and it's it's got me super excited. I've not been this excited about uh, an army for ages and that's the Cadia Stands box. Oh, um, yes. Not not only the models that are in that box, which I have really, I can't state, I can't overly state how fun they are to build with all the different options. The book is fantastic. Um, I'm really looking forward to, to getting a Cadian army on the battlefield. Um a brilliant value box uh and you know i'm so pleased we were sent one by uh, gw to to review um so yeah that's that's my top three let's move over to you next andy what what's in your top three um so so this is probably the hardest top three i've ever had to do because <laughs> i've managed to get it to a top six if that helps <laughs> um so my, my third choice is the new edition of Warcry. So the Heart of Gur box was just absolutely jaw-dropping. When, when it first went on pre-order, I sort of looked at it and was like, it is amazing, but I don't need it. And then after about two or three days, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to buy it. So I bought it. And yeah, I mean, the scenery is amazing. The horns of Hashut are amazing. The Rot My Creed are amazing. And more importantly, I've played quite a bit of Warcry in the last sort of like three or four months. And it's it's so much fun. Like if you get a quad rampaging your gut lord into your opponent's warband, it's just it's so enjoyable. It really is enjoyable. And for me, I was I was very happy with it because it's one of those games that you can play on your dining room table with not a huge amount of models and and getting the scenery the scenery is probably the most time intensive part of mm. of the war cry um and i remember going to um an event up at warhammer world it was one of these thursday evening games 
uh, nights back in oh, must have been September, October sort of time. Um, and I just sat there reading through the, the core book and reading through all the narrative stuff. And it's done an absolutely phenomenal job. At it. And it's, it's so quick and easy to pick up as well. I mean, um, we chatted a little bit sort of off off um, when we weren't recording before the show. And um, some of my hobby resolutions for next year are definitely going to revolve around Warcry because the Heart of, Bo- Heart of Gur box was absolutely for me amazing and and the, the new one that's coming out um going up for pre-order it, again like wow I, it, it's just insane so for for me i i went for the heart of gear box as my third choice because it's one of those releases that got me super excited you know we had we had a game well, it was probably about a month or so ago now and um yeah, I absolutely need to get my Warcry Warband painted um, to have a rematch against you, Andy. Yeah, I, I think the Horns of Hashut or even the Chaos Legionnaires might might be uh, hitting my painting desk pretty soon. Um, but yeah, it, it was just amazing. It got me super excited. And leading me on to my next choice, my second choice, um, was the Chaos Demon Codex. Um, when this went up for pre-order, I was just like, finally finally we're getting a chaos demon codex and considering the the job they've done with the ninth edition codexes i mean all right fine the leagues of otan they, they dropped the ball a little bit but the the codexes have been coming out i i've been super happy with them um now i'm, I'm saying that from the perspective of not a competitive player you know i just want to be able to use my stuff on the on the tabletop and Chaos Demons were always one of those armies that I I love for 40k because you can play it in 40k and then it's effectively four different armies, if not five different armies for Age of Sigmar as well. And value for money, that's just like, that's crazy good. And so when the Chaos Demon Codex came out, I think me and Matt were at Warhammer World for um, an event. I can't remember which one it was now, but um, yeah, I remember sort of chilling out in the hotel room, just flicking through the Chaos Demon Codex and thinking to myself, this is an army that I can play. This is an army that I can enjoy. And just flicking through it. I mean, there wasn't a huge amount. I don't think any models, new models came out with this release. No. But it still got me super excited to to pick up tons of new kits and, and play, you know, tons of new stuff so uh, yeah my second choice was the chaos demon codex and then my first choice was well i'm just gonna say it it, it was king broad um <laughs> it, i i'm a huge fan of mega gargants i've been playing sons of bear Matt pretty much since the battle tome came out and this model just took it to that next level you know i mean they the War Stompers amazing, the Kraken Eaters amazing, the Gatebreaker is an amazing model, and then yeah, seeing King Broad and the Beast Smasher as well, and seeing how interchangeable those models are was absolutely jaw dropping. I mean, King Broad is it, he is so nice. Like I I want a Beast Smasher so I can run the Smasher Tribe and update my Sons of Bear map for the new book. But I also want King Broad simply because he's just so cool. You know, he, what's better than a Mega Gargant? 
the king of Omega Gargants. So, <laughs> um, yeah, King, king Brod was was easily my my top choice. But like I said, I've got three honourable mentions. So the Age of Darkness Heresy box because that's amazing and it's going to be taking up a large chunk of early next year for me trying to get an Iron Warriors army painted. Um, the Leagues of Votan. wow (laughs) like when they first came out i wasn't very impressed by the paint scheme but seeing like other people painting them up getting the codex in my hands that sort of stuff uh, yeah leagues of votan uh, again they're going to be one of those armies that i'm going to be working on next year um and then the third honorable mention was uh chaos space marines because i looked at them and even looking at the cultists i'd quite happily do a word bearer army with some possessed small squad of chaos space marines some of the cursed cultists and i'd happily do uh, a night lord's army for a crusade event with loads of raptors and some chaos space marines and cultists you know but the codex like with the chaos demon codex the chaos space marine one really did it, it got me excited it, it got me wanting to buy and build and paint chaos space marines Excellent, excellent stuff. Um, that just leaves us with one more member of the team. Jay, what is your top three? Uh, my top three. So my third choice, I really like the new Sylvaneth models that we got. Um, the the Bug Riders and the Lady of Vines and the Gossamid Arches. I thought they were really, really cool. I was hoping to see Kanoffi this year, um, but these were a good sort of uh, a good make do instead. Um, and I really need to. I got the the Gospel Archers um, paint up. I, I never actually bought any of the the Bug Riders, and I think maybe next year maybe I might do a, like a Bug Rider themed Sylvaneth Force. I'm not sure. Um, my second choice was really really tough. Um, I'm so I'm going to do a double. It's a twofer. The Ironhead Squat Prospectors and the Leagues of Otan. Oh, you're double squat. <laughs> double squat. So I, I love the Ironhead Squat Prospectors. They're very sort of like, they remind me a bit of like Bioshock type deep sea diver mm. squats with the sort of uh, heavy industrial mining gear and the big, I mean, I paint mine with the yellow helmets, but they're really, really cool. Um, and then the Leagues of Otan Ranger. I'm impressed with all the models that came out for the Leagues of Otan. Their vehicles are really, really cool. I really, really like the sort of um, dwarf fantasy aesthetic that runs through them. The Berserk is a race. The Iron Hair Champion is just amazing. I really, really like that model. Um, so, yeah, I really like the Leagues of Otan. But number one, it had to be the Horus Heresy, the Age of Darkness boxer. Ever since we saw those blurry pictures and then we finally got it in our hands. And uh, like you say, the value is, is, is incredible. It's an army in a box. There's no excuse really for not getting into the horror Heresy now with that box you know where you can get it for those discounted from the uh, sort of um non-games workshop stores um and i mean i was talking to you on the way back in the car matt i painted six thousand points of horse heresy in like the last six months <laughs> it's that's crazy impressive. that's impressive that's very good do you paint some dark angels sir jay i would love to paint some dark angels i'll paint <laughs> some dark angels <laughs> excellent um yeah that's a throwback those blurry images of that horace heresy box we must have been talking about them on some of the earliest podcasts we did um years ago (laughs) ten thousand years ago i was there (laughs) when the horace heresy leaked (laughs) excellent um yeah there was a tricky top three map but we we did it we did it we've all picked um three um items from, from that long list 
and um, we've also asked a question to the community and um, so it's time to have one last pause and we'll come back with the community top three picks It is sadly time for the last segment of this week's podcast, and it's time to turn to the community top three picks. So what do we have over on Twitter, Matt? So we've got some good choices over on uh, on Twitter. Uh, Jem says, it's been the year of box sets. Amazing value and gorgeous new models. Uh, Kill Team, any and all of the sets for 20 plus new models and scenery. They've all been really good, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, number two, the Horus Heresy Plastic Bee Keys. And number one, the Leagues of Votan box. Anonymous Rex says the Chaos Chosen, the Cursling, and the Cross Booze. They are really nice models, aren't they? Uh, Red Tooth says, going for models I never thought I'd see. Number three, mm. Eldar Guardians. I thought the previous sculpt would outlive me. They are <laughs> nice, the new Guardians, too. Number they two, nice. the Parasite of Mortrex. It's been out of the Codex for a decade, and they go and release new models. And number one... They only bloody went and released squats, didn't they? Um, <laughs> Coffee drinking corn berserker says uh, number three leagues of Otan. A few misses in looks, but love the faction as a whole and how they fit into the law. I think that's something they've done really well, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, number two, the world eaters sacrifices to corn box sets, aka Cadia stands. <laughs> Beautiful oh, models with a great aesthetic, loving the World War One vibe. And number one, Plastic Horus Heresy. All of it. Honorable uh, mention to the Slaves of Darkness, the new Demon Prince, the Warcry boxes, and far too many other things to mention. Oh, Nevermore. Demon Prince, I never mentioned yeah, that. Demon Prince is amazing, yeah. Oh. Nevermore says, uh, Chaos Chosen, the Sons of Velmorn, which is an outstanding kit out of the uh, Warhammer Underworlds, the Undead. The Graveguard uh, and the Ash Waste Nomads. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, every time I open up the Games Virtual website, I see another one that I've missed. There's, there's so many good kits this year. And if that's the benchmark for this year, and there's still been like, you know, shipping issues and, and the after effects of COVID and Brexit and all that, next year, in theory, they've got extra factories and, and bigger production capacity now. What are we going to see next year, guys? Goodness knows. It's going to be absolutely mental. Um, what Exodites. You... Eldar Exodites. <laughs> yeah. An empty wallet. <laughs> An empty wallet, yeah. <laughs> um, Matt leads me to ask a question. What is the next top three? Well, the next top three in episode 210 is... Oh, that's, the, that's the January episode, guys. So that has got to be the traditional... Hobby resolutions. If you're new to the show, you pick three hobby resolutions that you want to try and achieve over the year. They can be as big or as small or as realistic or as impossible as you like. It's nice to have a mix. It's also nice to have ones that you can achieve. What's more, in episode 210, we will learn how the the, the party of Sprues and Brews adventurers <laughs> got on on our year-long quest to complete oh, no. three simple <laughs> objectives each. So I think about what I've achieved in the hobby this year, and I think, you know, painting a Skaven army, amazing. Always wanted to do that using transfer. But I don't think any of them were in my, top, in my uh, hobby resolutions. So um, I'm not very confident, but we'll see. In a few weeks, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, so um, that'll, that'll, go out, that'll go at the start of, uh, of, of January. I don't know the exact date. It'll be start of January. So, so it probably fits. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know what? It'll probably be like the 2nd of January, which is a Monday. 
Um, and yeah, find out how we got on. But Dave, that's episode 210. What's episode 209? So we can't, I know this is the December episode of the podcast, but we cannot end the year without a bit of festive cheer. So on the 23rd of December, we will be releasing a, a, a twofer. We like that term, don't we, on this podcast? Uh, a video and audio delight for you all um, to hopefully bring some festive cheer. Um, so keep an eye on our social media, on our website, um, on and around the 23rd um, for, for, for episode 209. Um, which should be a nice big spruce and bruise festive party but, but yeah um, literally the spruce and bruise christmas party there will be drinks there'll be nibbles i might even get some pringles in boys <gasps> <laughs> we are being spoiled <laughs> um <laughs> uh, yeah so look forward to that i can't believe that's only a few weeks away as well i've not done a, a, an inch of christmas shopping yet but anyway um i hope you've enjoyed this week's episode um We've obviously got our next one on the 23rd, then we've got an episode out in January, and then we are going to be looking at making some changes again to the schedule. All in due course, we will announce what's happening, but hopefully it'll um, it, it will it will answer a few people's prayers. So uh, until then, have a great time hobbying, and we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Spruce and Bruce podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruceandbrews.com and if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruceandbrews or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruceandbrews.